Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello Matt, hello Dave. <laughs> hello Dave and hello Jess and how nice is it to be alive today. It's <laughs> nice, nice to be alive. It's very nice. <laughs> I would have said good. How good is it to be alive? <laughs> the catchphrase, it's really taken <laughs> it's off. It's really, it's a good one. Catchphrase life is hard. Hey, it is good to be alive. It's nice to be alive. It's also nice to be in block. Oh, my God. Yes. I hated lockdown. Love blockdown. Oh, lockdown. <laughs> I'd love blockdown all year. Yeah. Block me down as much as you block like. Block me up, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm Throw blocked. away the key. Yeah, I'm blocked up in a good way. <laughs> We're into Blockbuster-tober, Blovember. We're having a great time. This yeah. is the period of the year where we count down some of our most requested topics, the biggest, the baddest, mm. the sexiest. That's right. We've done big, we've done bad, we've done sexy. That's right, tick, 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 and we're into the top four now. Can you believe it? So what Matt has done, thank you so much for pioneering this, Matt. Thank you, Matt. You've taken some of our most requested topics. You've let people vote on them. There was over 100 to choose from, and we're counting down our top nine, and now we're into the the fourth most popular. Mm. Can you believe it? Top four. Can't believe it. And thank you so much for finally appreciating that I pioneered uh, popular votes. Absolutely. Me. Nobody did it. <laughs> Nobody did it. Yeah, the the cha- Logies have actually changed to a popular vote now because of Matt's system. Well done. They call it the Matt Stewart system. Matt is rich. You copyrighted it, yeah? Oh, God. Oh, no. I made a huge mistake. Oh, you could have had gold Logie money. Oh, no. That's sweet, sweet Logie money. <laughs> Nothing better than Logie dollars. The best kind. Have you ever been nominated for a Logie? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. But I, I said, no, thank you. Really? Because you, uh, you, your TV show... 
has been. So does that mean do you count yourself you a as a Logie, Logie winner? winner? Oh, I've absolutely uh, worked on the project that's won multiple Logies and I've taken multiple selfies with trophies. So okay. does you've, that count? You've touched a Logie? Yeah. And, wow. And has a Logie touched you? <laughs> it touched me. It changed my life. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, they, if, when you win a Logie, they buy the office lunch the next day. So that's, that changed my life. That's, what kind of lunch? Like a decent lunch that, or just like Domino's? No, those grilled burgers really changed my life. They bought everyone grilled. That's right. That means you've got to like – People are putting in an order. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not – you can't just buy, go buy just like one of everything. You know when you go get pizzas and you're just like, oh, we'll get a margarita or everything like that. We'll get a couple with a gluten-free base. You know, you just kind of make it up and people help themselves. With burgers, that's very personalised. You've got to be like putting in an order. Yeah, and you call – but they, they answer the call when you say, hello, we just want a Logie. <laughs> I know, but like imagine being that 17-year-old working at that grill in South Yarra, then having to be like, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> They like grilled, put on extra staff the next day. They they watch the logies. Like, yeah, okay, we've got to call Kevin in. We need Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, he's great on the grill. I know it's <laughs> I know it's your um your day off, but we need you, Kevin. <laughs> the project won a logie. He's like, say no more. <laughs> I'll be there at he's seven. He's out of bed, <laughs> leaping out of bed. Like, no, no, Kevin, tomorrow. Like tomorrow no, around no, lunchtime. He's on his way. <laughs> Prepping the grill. I got to prep. <laughs> I got to chop some lettuce. <laughs> Have we made it clear what block is? We did. <laughs> we yeah, made it clear so. what block is. We haven't really explained the show, though. Oh, Jess is great at this. No, you do it. Well, one of the three of us. <laughs> I didn't think it would be that easy. Goes away, uh, researches a topic, in this case, one that's been voted on by the public. Mm, and a popular vote. They've been tabulated, these thousands of votes. And uh, the fourth most popular topic this year, most requested, most voted for, uh, Jess has gone away and researched that topic. Mm-hmm. She's brought that research back in the form of sort of like a, a school report, an oral presentation. She's about to give that to Dave and I and all the listeners at home and elsewhere. And uh, the reports normally start with a a question. And then mm-hmm. Dave and I, once the report goes, we sort of we, – we clock off. We just sit quietly. Yeah. Get some admin done on your yep. computers. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Jess just yeah, lets, it, lets us have it. Answer some emails. And at the end, we give you a standing ovation. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Most of that we- happens off pod. <laughs> uh, but then Jess always starts with a question, as mm-hmm. all as we all do. Yeah. Jess, what's the question this week to get us on topic? Question is, what event occurred in 1969, nice, in New York, <laughs> specifically on Christopher Wood- Street? Woodstock. No, we've done Woodstock before. Tor- that did happen in New York in 1969, didn't That's it? Tr- I, mean, I don't know where that the- farm was. Was it on Christopher Street? Mm, was there a farm on Christopher Street in, in Greenwich Village? <laughs> oh, Greenwich Village. Okay, no. mm. There's probably one of those farmer's markets there. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Totally. That kind of neck of the woods, I assume. It's real hipster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nonsense they go on with in these locales. <laughs> you know, where they, on a weekend, they sell produce. Yeah, Locals. Short man named Carl. cars are rolling down the street. <laughs> locals. <laughs> these locals. Carl, you're very small. <laughs> Um, okay, 1969. What? So, what you're asking what the place is? It's There's a pub. A, it's an Irish pub. It's an Irish pub. It's not an Irish pub, but you're in this. You're in the kind of ballpark of you know pubs, bars, clubs, inns, maybe nightlife. Nightlife. Stonewall Inn. Yes. Is it? Yes, that's right. It's the Stonewall Riots. This has been floating around for so long mm. as a topic. I know a lot of people have suggested it. Yeah, I put it's been a close second on a bunch of votes I've put yeah, up in really? the past. Oh, that's so great! I'm, I I've only ever looked into it 
in a in a small way, preliminary way, knowing that one day we would get to hear the full story on the yeah. show. And that day is today. <gasps> we made it. We did it. Because I'm a bit embarrassed to say I know very little about this. Yeah, so. I, didn't, I didn't know very much either. I think I got it confused with uh, another sort of riot or something that had happened in the UK. Stonehenge. Stonehenge. I always got mm. stonewalled Stonehenge and I was like, why do people want us to talk about big rocks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why are people rioting about these big, big Who rocks? Who cares? They're just big rocks. Go have a look at them. Go about your day. It, like my family, you can look at them through the fence uh, and not pay the uh, entry fee. I think that's fair. So cop that Do you remember Stonehenge. how much the entry, entry fee was? Probably five five pounds. Yeah, because either it's either when a family goes, no, nah, we're not paying for that. It's either that it's very expensive and that's kind of understandable, or it's really cheap and you're just being a bit of a tight ass. I think it was the uh, it was quite cheap expensive. One, yep. yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> well, yes, this has been suggested by a bunch of people, including Michael Schneider, Hannah Connolly, Daniel McMeans, uh, Yusuf Javed, Josie Penning, Marnie McGrath, uh, Charlotte, Paul Jacob, Jessica Gillett Sheetha, McKenna Middlebrook. Christina Gonzalez and Levi Odgers. A bunch of people have suggested this one. Always, always incredible list of names. It's always every week. It's like we don't have anybody that's that suggests topics that supports this show that has a dull name. No, no any- one's dull. No, no one's, one's dull. not hot. It's so weird. I don't know what it is about us that we attract hot Hotties. people with hot names. I, I don't know. Because maybe like we've set the bar with cool, very interesting names <laughs> like <laughs> Matt Stewart yeah. and Jess Perkins. Yeah, they it rocked and the world Dave. when I my parents held up a big stone tablet yeah. with my name on it and yeah. people just were shocked. They're like, What? People didn't know what to do. They're like, I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's like Grimes kid. How does it how do we begin? Yeah. We love it. I'll love say that it. for nothing. I'll say that. I'll tell I you that. I just don't much. understand it. What is it? I'm, it's going to take me some time to get used to, but I love it. This is a game changer. And I support it 100%. <laughs> What's happening? People were freaking out. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you have that kind of name where you read it out, you tell people your name, people go, sorry, what? Is that a name? Yeah, they say Matt. That's your stage name. Yeah. What's your real name? Do, do they ever get it right at Starbucks? No, never. Never get it right. That's why I never go there anymore. Yeah. Not because I don't know if there are any around. There's but. like two. Coffee for math? <laughs> Coffee for math? No? No? Okay, well. Yeah. Guess I'll drink it. <laughs> That's how being a barista works. Yeah. Yeah, dog. Well, it was when I was a barista. You have to drink every coffee that no one claims. Yeah. I don't even want this. Snooze you lose. Glug, 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 glug. Um, 1969. Yes. Jeez, New York was happening oh around that God. time. Oh, my God. There was a lot happening, and that's sort of, I mean, where we kick off, I guess, because the 1950s and 60s were a time of many different cultural shifts happening all at once, particularly in the US. Following the end of World War II, many people wanted to restore the pre-war social order and hold off the forces of change, according to historian Barry Adams. So people were like, all right, well, we've done the war thing. <laughs> that was tough, wasn't it? Let's go back to how things were before that. Mm. People were shaken. They were a little paranoid. There was a national emphasis on anti-communism. Anarchists, communists and anybody else deemed un-American and or subversive were considered a security risk. Gay men and lesbians were included in this list by the US State Department on the theory that they were more susceptible to blackmail. Okay. Which at first I was like, that seems silly. Now I, I understand more. It's like, oh, other people could blackmail. Yep. Gotcha. Um, and that happens quite a bit. Homosexuality was illegal in 49 states. What, what was the what was the one from the future? 
Illinois. Illinois, yeah. <laughs> well, they were the first to repeal in 1962. So 50s and 60s, it's it's illegal everywhere, right. but Illinois was the first to repeal well, that law. Chicago, Windy City, yeah. makes sense. It does, doesn't it? I don't know why. <laughs> the <laughs> winds of change are blowing through. <laughs> but we don't want change. We want it to be exactly like it was before the war. That's right. The good old days, pre-war. <laughs> it's weird that, that, yeah, that that's been a thing that's been around forever. There's the good old days thing. Because mm. the good old days is a good old days thing. Oh, take me back to the good old days when we were yearning for the good old days. Yeah, yeah. They were the good old days back when we wish it was the good old days. <laughs> back then, we really wanted the good old days. You could almost taste the good old days back in the good These old days. These days, they don't want the good old days like we used to want the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> but funnily enough, if that's what the good old days were, you're still living in the good you're old days because you're doing it right now. You're doing it. That's a stand up bit. That's a great bit. That's a great bit. Yeah, you got to write that bit. <laughs> Holy shit. That's that would have been bit. good for last year's show about nostalgia. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. I was going to say because- Maybe th- name the next show The Good Old yeah, Days. Yeah, you, you've oh, been looking yeah. for a title, The Good Old Days. <laughs> I could be the good old boy. <laughs> the good old boy. So, between 1947 and 1950, 1,700 federal job applications were denied, 4,380 people were discharged from the military, and 420 were fired from their government jobs for being suspected homosexuals. That is wild. Just that, like a, 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 a <laughs> what am I trying to say here? Just, just suspecting. Just a little a hint. There, yeah. Oh, just oh, hang on. What are you? Are you listening to Elton John over there? Oh, that. Tells me everything I need to know. Yeah, one of the biggest artists in the world. You're listening to very popular music over there. Hmm. I wonder what the clues are. Are they that arbitrary? Well, I, I don't know. But also imagine like how that could be used in spite. You yes. just don't like somebody. Yeah, you could almost use it as a form of blackmail. Yeah, exactly right. It's the witch trials all over yeah, again. Yeah, 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 100%. And, yeah, people. Hang on. I No, I saw them being a witch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, saw, gay, oh, what gay. era are we in? I forget. <laughs> they were being gay. Look at them. They're doing it now. What, but what do you mean? What did you see them do? They were just, you know. There was a vibe Being thing. gay. I've got a strong gay dar. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? That's a lot of people to lose their jobs too. Like 4,300 people discharged from the military. For being suspected of being gay. Okay. Um, I feel like there's a silver lining there. That they're not in the military? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It's a, it's a brutal job. Oh, yeah. I don't want that job. So it's like, well, I was trying to do my I, bit for the country. What? If you don't want me, I will follow my dreams. Honestly, put me in a war. I would be Klinger from MASH. Yeah. I'd be doing everything I can to convince comic you relief. I'm crazy. Oh, yeah, comic relief. <laughs> Remember the things he did to convince he was crazy? Dressed as a woman. Dressed as a woman. That is crazy. Wow. Can you believe it? They did not discharge him, though. No, because it's not. They, well, they were actually very progressive. They're, progressive. they're, like, they're that's, like, that's fine. That's not crazy. It's you wear whatever you want to wear as long yeah. as you can still do your job. Yeah, that's the You know, thing. in the clothing, that's fine. I don't mind. The, in fact, that necklace is beautiful. Hmm. <laughs> and he's like, God damn it. Why does he keep trying the same trick? <laughs> he's trying. Try something else. It hasn't worked, Klinger. Threatened to kill a bunch of people. Oh, no, that's war. Okay, no, no, but like your own, your own people. <laughs> that was the, the was the Catch-22 was vaguely about something like that, right? Mm-hmm. He said, like, he pre- if you pretended you're crazy to get out of the war, they would be like, that's a very sane thing yeah, to do because uh, war is a place. Exactly, only sane people would do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it just kept going around in circles. It's what almost fun. a... A catch twenty two situation. Yeah, no relation. No relation. No relation. <laughs> maybe a catch twenty one. Catch yeah. twenty three. Maybe it was a, a random name generator <laughs> named that book. <laughs> what are the chances? Wow, that's really good. 
This is from a, a source I found uh, called wikipedia.org. Okay. Okay. Is this a MASH-related website? <laughs> it's about MASH. I just thought it was relevant. Throughout the 1950s and 60s, the FBI and police departments kept lists of known homosexuals and their favourite establishments and friends. The US Post Office kept track of addresses where material pertaining to homosexuality was mailed. State and local governments followed suit. Bars catering to gay men and lesbians were shut down and their customers were arrested and exposed in newspapers. The land of the free. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Keeping a list of of known homosexuals? yeah, and, and their friends and their favoured bars and friends. Yeah, They're, these are some of my favoured friends. <laughs> my closest. I have some unfavoured friends. friends. <laughs> Frenemies. Yeah, <laughs> is that what we're talking about here? Cities performed sweeps to rid neighbourhoods, parks, bars, and beaches of gay people, like they're pests. Like they've got a broom. Yeah, <laughs> get out, chew. It's wow. so grim. It's 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 truly wild. And also, it's always so wild to hear these stories and r- remember how recent it was. I know, yeah. Not that uh, bad things don't happen anymore, but no, like exactly. that it, this seems like unthinkable now. Right, doesn't it? And that there would be laws in place. There, yeah, there are some really baffling laws in place, which I'll get to soon as well. And, and my mean, parents were alive then. Yeah. And so was I because I'm as old as the wind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and an incredible... <laughs> I love it when you quickly remember oh, canon. That's right. I'm really old. And, as was I. And I assume your parents are older than you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wow. but to say, we were all, you and your parents were all alive then. They were young, so they're only a little bit older than me. You know, ratio-wise, yeah. you know, 0.001% yeah, yeah. older than me. But, yeah, we both. But the scale's so big. Yeah, we're both thousands of years old. Yeah. Both of us, all, all three all of us. us. What were you going to say? It also feels like an incredible waste of time for the FBI and law enforcement. 100%. You think this is a waste of time? <laughs> this is priority one for me. It's absolutely People re- going about their business. Just absolutely. Yeah. Let's stop, put a stop to that. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> On ridiculous. People, I do not think so. These people, Dave, these people, they're going about their day. They're going down the shop. They're buying some fresh produce. And a week. They're, they're, no, Dave, they're not done. <laughs> they're not done. Then they go. They go do their job. They do a bloody good job at it too. They go do their job. Then they go home. They live their lives. Unbelievable. I will not allow it. And we've got it all in a list. <laughs> <laughs> they bought two charcoal chickens. Very suspicious. Very suspicious. Oh, well, like, There's only two people that live. They're going to have a whole charcoal chicken each. Well, I did see eight people arrive at their house. It couldn't possibly be related. They couldn't have been hosting. <laughs> yeah, it's- um, Eight people turned up to watch two people eat two charcoal chicken. <laughs> they pointed it. They laughed. They said, they'll never finish this chicken. But they did, both that, of them. That could be the only thing that's happening in there. Um, there there's always a thing, right, where you've got to have an enemy so that um, when you're in power so that people aren't noticing what you're mm. doing. You go, N- don't worry about what we're up to. Yeah. Look at this group. Hmm. But imagine how much trouble you could get a friend in if you sent them a postcard with homosexual tones to it. So I've been listening to Yellow Brick Road and uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. You're on a list, pal. Yeah, you're on the list. No, it's so dumb. Is Elton John a sort of iconic gay icon? <laughs> Double icon there. Elton John? No. I don't, I don't think Elton John's gay. It's more, yeah. <laughs> he he no, was no, married no. to a woman. He's married to a woman. He got married in Sydney. He did, yep. 
Um, God bless Australia. <laughs> Makes you proud, doesn't it? God, we've had some good things here, haven't we? Elton John's wedding, Olympics. Ooh. Fuck yes. They're going to film the new Planet of the Apes in Sydney as well. Really? Wow, the big I know three. we're claiming Sydney is Sydney part everything. of Australia, but I think we can. I think they're right. I think we can claim them as yeah. They're ready. Yeah. <laughs> they're ready. They've earned it. That's a suburban sprawl up there. Eventually, we're going to touch. And we're going to be like, hey, we're just an outer suburb of Sydney. <laughs> we're cool too. <laughs> we're cool. <laughs> Somebody described um, uh, Melbourne as like, Sydney's ugliest sister or something. Like we're, like we're obsessed with Sydney and the Sydney-Melbourne rivalry, but nobody in Sydney gives a shit. And I think that's accurate in um, the act out we just did. <laughs> We're desperate to be an outer suburb of Sydney. Please. An We're ugly not. outer suburb. An ugly outer suburb. No, we're us. pretty. We're we pretty are. in our own way. We've got a good personality. Do we? Oh. I don't. I certainly don't. And I am Melbourne personified. <laughs> I am Melbourne. <laughs> this one's um, uh, pretty bonkers. This is also from um, wikipedia.org. In 1952, the American Psychiatric Association listed homosexuality in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual as a mental disorder. A large-scale study of homosexuality in 1962 was used to justify inclusion of the disorder as a supposed pathological hidden fear of the opposite sex, most likely caused by traumatic parent-child relationships. This view was widely influential in the medical profession. So this book, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, was essentially uh, the book used to diagnose mental disorders. So by adding it in there, it just meant that people could sort of check off a list and be like, ah, yes, you, I can diagnose you with homosexuality, which right. is obviously a, 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 yeah. You're afraid of the opposite sex. You're afraid of them. In 1956, however, the psychologist Evelyn Hooker performed a study that compared. <laughs> <laughs> Breathing is hard. <laughs> oh, that was a breath. That was a breath. That was meant to be a breath. I sort of gulped it a bit. I think I was still thinking about how you called her Fisty. No, you said 1950. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> okay, 1956, not 56. Maybe I, my, my mind might have just said <laughs> we'll that. We'll have to rewind the tape. <laughs> um, so the psychologist Evelyn Hooker performed a study that compared the happiness and well-adjusted nature of self-identified homosexual men with heterosexual men and found no difference. Her study stunned the medical community. They were like, wait, what? The medical community. You're saying (laughs) those two groups of people are so vastly different. Yes. Um, I assume that she was uh, blacklisted from everything after this study. Well, yeah, homosexuality remained in the DSM until 1974 and she did that study in 56. But, oh, God. Um, it made her a bit of a hero amongst the queer community. They were like, oh, look at that, somebody doing uh, research that proves we're people. Just wild. This is so recently. Author Martin Duberman said, I think you need to know the whole context of the 1960s and just how much rebellion was going on throughout the culture. The birth of the feminist movement, the black struggle for civil rights, Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. It was an extremely volatile decade. And so that brings us to the main event of today's report. And a little background on the Stonewall Inn. Uh, it was sometimes known as Bonnie's Stonewall Inn, presumably in honour of its proprietor, Vincent Bonavia. It opened um, 
1930. It was in a slightly different location and it was purportedly a tea room, a restaurant serving light meals and non-alcoholic beverages, but it was in fact a speakeasy. Oh, so but could you also... This is 1930s, this is Prohibition. I want to know, can you also get like a Devonshire tea, some scones in this tea room? Or is it like a cabinet full but they're all fake? Because you're going to be like found out so quick if you can't do the thing that you're pretending to do. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. it's, it, maybe it's like, you know, it's a, a tea room in the front mm. and then you've got to know the secret oh, word to get a speakeasy front. in the back. I guess so. So, but yeah. do you reckon that they get found out when they accidentally put uh, cream on before jam? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that really you sets go. people off, that you're a psycho. <laughs> yeah, they no, go, that you've, you've you absolutely, tea, that you're hiding You do Devonshire something. tea like the people in Devon do. Absolutely oh, I do not. Devonshire tea, but I won't trust how people in Devon <laughs> okay, do it. Okay, I'd like Cornish tea then, please. Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> sorry. And then, yeah, uh, go on. I'll, sorry, just having a little spew. <laughs> and then, well, now you've made room for a Cornish pasty as well, so. Wonderful. Okay, now I'll, tr- I'll trust Cornwall for their pasties. But not for their tea. Not for their tea. <laughs> Across that border, they've got no idea what they're up to. <laughs> sure, they can do a pasty. World-class pasty. That's right. Mm. In fact- World I wouldn't, eat, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't eat a pasty anywhere else apart from their world classy pasties over there. God, that's good. God, that's good. good I went there once stuff. when I was uh, hanging out in England a few years back. I, I took a train ride just to go have a pasty in Cornwall. Had Devonshire tea in Devon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, both places, magnifique. Okay. That's beautiful. Had a Guinness in Dublin once, and because everyone's like, "You got to have a Guinness." You got to. It doesn't. You'll never taste it better than in Dublin. Tastes about the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But don't tell them that. I wouldn't tell them that. I mean, tell it's, them it's the best one. It's still had. pretty nice. It's I not think, even my favorite Irish beer, but it was fine. But yeah. they, they assume you've never had Guinness before in your life. Yeah. See this first Guinness. <laughs> they don't that's know the best that Brady O'Reilly's <laughs> exists, and you can get a Guinness uh, a Guinness anytime. Yeah, you know? but it, they, you know, they'll say it's fresher. It's closer to the. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It just tasted about the same to me. I reckon there's going to be a Guinness riot yeah, off the back of that blasphemy. Since then, I, I was at a family uh, thing recently. My uncle was saying that that's because I didn't have a Guinness in the Guinness factory. He said he's, he's, had, he's never had a Guinness as nice as the one in the Guinness factory. Right. So next time I'm in, in, I'm in Dublin, factory, I'll go yeah. to the factory. I've never been in the factory. No, I haven't done the factory. And I've been to Dublin three or four times. I, and I love touristy things. Yeah, I me really too, do. But I'm I was, always doing them. But I'm like, I don't really drink beer. So <laughs> it seems like a true. bit of a waste of me to go. And- I, I was joking. I don't like touristy things. I like going to Irish pubs. Yeah. And when you're in Dublin, they're fucking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you love Irish pubs, but you won't go to the, the king of the I'm Irish pubs. I just like queuing up to be in a, you know, and then I don't know. I just I don't like queues that much, I think, is... Why I don't end up doing those touristy things. Yeah, you get a bit antsy in queues. Yeah. Yeah, that's ADHD. Oh. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, queues are just fucking annoying. Yeah. They are very annoying. That's ADHD. I think we've all got ADHD. I'm being fucked off by a queue. (laughs) Oh, fuck off. Oh, come on. But then you see some people that are like, I'm having the time of my life in this queue. I feel it. I'm enjoying myself. This is great. Well, England love a queue last month or whenever that was. Oh my goodness. David Beckham's there for 17 hours. Wild. Queuing up yeah. for a pasty. I can't think of a person I'd queue. I don't think I'd queue for my nana's funeral that long. <laughs> nah. Nah. I, I'd just, just wait till the queue dies down. It's like being at the airport. Yeah. Everyone queues up. I'm like, we're going to sign seats. You're getting the same plane. That's okay. <laughs> They're fighting for the. the, the yeah, I don't care that Real much. estate above your head. Yeah. But 
Uh, I've usually just got a backpack. They're always going to find a spot for it. It's fine. They're not going to be like, oh, sorry, we're going to have to chuck your stuff in the bin. (laughs) 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 They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. That's fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah, it's the same getting off the plane. Yeah. Do you think this is good stuff as well? Do you think I could start doing material about airplanes? I think you should. Exclusively. Yeah. I could be an airplane guy. I'd love that. I don't know if anyone's covered that material yet. You know how there's like cruise ship comedians and stuff? Yeah. Has anybody done gigs in the sky? Oh, if not, why not? And that's a, you know, they're a stuck market. And they've already got the PA system set up. Oh, one day. (laughs) One day we've got to do a plane pod. Yeah, okay. Dave does the whole report. Okay. Hello and uh, welcome uh, to another episode of uh, yeah, longest ever episode. Go on. Uh. <laughs> no, but we're talking normally. Oh, but everything yeah. Dave yeah, everything. says is said like that. Uh, come prepare the camera for landing. <laughs> Cross check all doors. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that bit have to be said to all of us? Yeah, it makes. Why just talk to us? Interrupt our movies when it's important. I reckon it's got to be a psychological thing where they're like, we just need them to know we're in control. And actually, I think <laughs> when I do hear them say, like, cabin crew prefer landing, that in my head, I'm like, oh, good, we're about half an hour away. Yeah. They say <laughs> it's know? so freaking early. Yeah. Well, it's a long, it's a, they the don't just, you don't just sort of plunge out of the air, <laughs> plummet Melbourne out of the, the air. Hobart, they're saying that as you're on the, on the runway <laughs> yeah, ready to take off. Uh, prepare for landing. <laughs> Such a short flight. <laughs> they're, they're just like throwing snacks at you. Yeah. Just take, <laughs> take, take your cheese and bickies. <laughs> we need to stow this. They're throwing mini cans of soft drink down the plane. <laughs> take a please. I've hit a baby. <laughs> but there's no time. <laughs> there's no time to say sorry Sit to the down. baby. Sit down. <laughs> There's no time to piss. Yeah, the toilet's never open. The toilet's open for about a three-second period. You've got to be quick. Light on and, and off, off. And off. And on again. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get very angry. Excuse me, anyway. the seatbelt sign has just gone back on. Please respect the pilot. The um the the flight attendants actually don't get out of their seat for that flight. They're like, there's no point. <laughs> anyway, remember the tea room that's a speakeasy? Oh, yes. oh that's what we're God. talking about. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in 1934, a year after the end of Prohibition, Bonavia relocated to 51 to 53 Christopher Street, where a large vertical sign was installed with the name Bonnie's Stonewall Inn. Uh, it operated as a bar and restaurant until 1964, um, when the interior was destroyed by fire. In 1966, now three members of the mafia invested $3,500 to turn the Stonewall Inn into a gay bar. No, you know, I paused. Exactly. You do not get a chance New now. New rule. You get a two New second. Rule. You've got to be quick. You've got to be paying attention Chicago and jump in. Chicago Bulls no, that no, no, year. no. I'm editing this out. Saints won the premiership. Great. Well, I'm editing that out, so you've missed it. <laughs> uh, we've also missed the fact that three mafia people yep. contributed three and a half grand to turn into a gay bar. That's right. Were they oh. seeing this as a an, in, an investment? Absolutely. It's Amazing. very common. Because very few establishments welcomed queer people in the 50s and 60s um, and those that did had to be a little sneaky and extra careful as gay bars were illegal. So it wasn't uncommon for owners of the few safe establishments to be linked to crime groups. The mafia believed that a business catering to the otherwise shunned gay community might well turn a profit as they served watered-down alcohol and demanded regular payoffs for protection. So they bumped up the prices of drinks and, yeah, you had to, like, pay them off. They would sort of take some of the profits as, a, yeah, they, you'd have to be paid off and then they'd really bribe police. Really taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, 100%. I, I thought we could trust our mafia <laughs> I know, it's friends, disappointing, isn't it? 
That is disappointing. Bribes would be paid to police to turn a blind eye, and the queer community had somewhere relatively safe to drink and socialise and be themselves. But even so, it didn't mean that patrons were safe from homophobia or discrimination, or that the bars themselves were safe from police. In some cases, the mafia owners of the bar would extort wealthier patrons, threatening to out them to their employers or families. Uh, Isn't that fucking... uh, Yeah, this is disappointing. Because um, he disappointed in the mafia. Yeah, you know. I'm sorry. I, I thought we could. I thought we could trust our, our family, La Familia. Yeah. Despite the bribes, police still regularly raided gay bars and charged them with crimes like solicitation of homosexual relations. Trans and gender non-conforming people were targeted especially and subjected to violence. Officers would throw people against the wall and make sure they were wearing three pieces of clothing that were appropriate to their biological sex, as per New New York state law at the time. That is a wild law. You had to be wearing three items of clothing. I that love matched it. I, your genitals. I love that they're. I can picture them throwing people up against the wall, going, "All right, he's wearing one hat that says, yes, I am a, a biological man, and this is my hat.' Yes, another hat that says the same <laughs> on top of that, and a third hat. Okay, okay, fantastic. And, like, all and right. a beautiful dress. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're all right. You're clear. You're fine. Isn't that fucked? Yeah, it's so odd. It's such a strange. It's just, a, and I had a jab at America before the land of the free, which is you know something they're very proud of. Mm. But it's not like Australia at the same time was equally oh, backward. Yeah, I'm sure, of course. but yeah, it is so strange to be so proud. Like all your identity is about freedom, but thinking, well, you know, oh, not that kind of freedom. Not the yeah, end. <laughs> well, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Limiting freedom, and also just that that it's obviously come up enough times that you've now got a law saying. You've put a number of clothing items somebody has to be wearing that match a a, a biological Which sex. Which is already so subjective. So exactly, it's so strange, and also who cares? Yeah, now that jumper. Do you think I could get away with that? No, you're this wearing? is a lilac jumper, what which, we- as we know, is a woman color. Okay, okay. lilac. Damn. What about socks? But they're made of sandpaper. Yeah, that's that's is that, men. Is that blokes. That's for that's for <laughs> blokes because it's. Rough and tough. Yeah, so my feet and legs are bleeding. <laughs> but he's got beautiful cleavage on up top. Yeah. Was, back then, was it like pants uh, for men? Yeah. And not for women? Yep. Even, yeah, right. Yeah, I believe so, when, yeah. I wonder when the pants thing changed. <laughs> when did the pants thing change? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it was. This is this is late 60s, so probably a bit more acceptable to wear pants. You also think of the 60s know. as, like, that's the time where yeah. it, it felt like it. It was all about freedom, but obviously not for everybody. And it doesn't it doesn't just happen overnight either. Like it's a lot of revolutions started to happen in the sixties, but it sort of it takes time for yeah. it to spread and for it to be the norm and then the norm just keeps changing. I don't know, it's really strange. But there's all this potential danger just to have the opportunity to be in an environment that it was safe to be yourself in. Like you think about how much effort or or danger you like allow for just to go to a bar like we just we could just go to a bar it doesn't matter but having to like it's a risk back then that sucks the conditions inside the bar weren't even that great stonewall inn had no liquor license it had no running water behind the bar so dirty glasses will run through tubs of water and immediately reused there were no fire exits and the toilets overran consistently 
Uh. It was the only bar for gay men in New York City where dancing was allowed. So it was very, very popular because you could dance there. Right. What, even other gay bars didn't allow dancing? Yeah. Or maybe didn't have the space. I think they were quite small. But, yeah, this one was known for you could dance there. Um, In the late 60s. You'd be splashing around in sewage. In sewage, But you could dance. And dirty glasses. But you could dance if you want to. In the late 60s, if you went to visit the Stonewall Inn, you'd first be inspected through a peephole by a bouncer. You know, one of those ones where you need to know, like, the the secret password or whatever. That's fun. This was mostly because undercover cops would try to infiltrate these establishments and they had to be cautious as possible. Oh, Oh, great. Now they're they're discriminating against cops. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, an eye for an eye and the whole world's blind. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. (laughs) I think they should just let the cops in. Let the cops in. Open door policy, surely. Otherwise, it's a bit hypocritical, isn't it? Yeah. I feel sorry for the one member of the village people that's not allowed in. (laughs) (laughs) Let me in. Come on. It's just a costume. (laughs) Let me in. I'm wearing short shorts, (laughs) for God's sake. The the idea that um, the the bouncer can tell, like, even though they're dressed undercover, they're like, come on, mate. Come on, mate. (laughs) You're not kidding anyone. (laughs) Well, I read that it was like, I didn't include this because it felt strange, but- um, in a in a back then context, there there was a note that it was like it, it helped to either be known by the bouncer, like they knew you, you'd been there before, and that was cool, or to look gay. Right. So if you're an undercover cop and you've turned up in feathers, I'm I'm assuming you're gonna get in. Like it's right, okay. really stereotypical, or yeah, feathers. So you're like wearing a big bird costume. Wearing a big bird costume, they're like, come on in, <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, big bird. <laughs> Um, There were two dance floors in the stone wall. The interior was painted black, making it very dark inside, with pulsing gel lights or black lights. If police were spotted, regular white lights were turned on, signalling that everyone should stop dancing or touching. That's a good system. Yeah, but, like, just to be on edge all the time. Well, I mean, it's not ideal. No, I don't know. But their system in the circumstances is pretty clever. It's pretty clever. (laughs) Police raids on gay bars were very frequent, occurring on average once a month for each bar. During a typical raid, the lights were turned on and customers were lined up and their identification cards checked. Those without ID or dressed in full drag were arrested. Others were allowed to leave. Many bars kept extra liquor in a secret panel behind the bar or in a car down the block to facilitate resuming business as quickly as possible if the alcohol was seized in a raid. Bar management usually knew about raids beforehand due to police tip-offs and raids usually occurred early enough in the evening that business could continue after the police had finished. What? So they just had spare booze stashed somewhere. Just in a car down the street. That's yeah, awesome. that's pretty clever. Just drive, drive the keg back. Yeah. <laughs> and who, who's the – so the tip-offs come from the cops? That's from people yeah. who were uh, sort of um, favourable of – or what am I saying? Oh, they're probably being bribed. Oh, just for cash. I yeah. wasn't sure if it was like people in the cops are going, this is fucked. Nah, they're not being I'm going to tip them off. Right. Well, I mean, I can't possibly say not a single police officer in the 1960s thought it was wrong. Like, of course. Um, but, yeah, I believe it was probably because they were getting paid. Right. So, yeah, raids, very, very common. Um, but late June of 1969, local bars were facing more and more frequent raids, resulting in the closing of multiple bars in the Greenwich area in the space of a few days. Which brings us to the 27th of June, 1969. Two undercover policewomen and two undercover policemen, don't know why um, the sources felt the need to, just four police officers, entered the bar early that evening to gather visual evidence. They're the, painting a picture, Jess. Yeah, that's true. 
It's a beautiful picture. Now you're picturing two police women yes. and two police men rather than four police people. Yeah. I, I was uh, imagining four Big Bird costumes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were dressed in, but they were undercover, so I'm guessing Big Bird costumes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's four big birds rocking up, I'm some going, oh, this is a bit sus. Yeah. Surely you got to have an Elmo. You got to. You have an Oscar the Grouch. I love Oscar the Grouch. Uh, a Bert and or Ernie. Yeah. Probably Bert and Ernie, to be honest. Bert and Ernie. Yeah. Well, I can't go anywhere can't go without anywhere. the other. Yeah. Oh, true. That's suspicious. Hang hey, on, where's Bert? Hey, Bert. Hey, Bert. Now you do Bert. I don't remember how Bert sounds. Do they sound the same? Same, only maybe so a bit different. Eh. Ernie. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Dave's doing it. <laughs> My own Bert and Ernie right here. <laughs> um, the, the public morals squad waited outside the bar and once ready, the undercover officers called for backup from the 6th precinct using the bar's payphone. <laughs> bit oh, sneaky. Oh, gosh. There'd been no proper uh, tip-off from bribed police officers that a raid was occurring. There was a vague rumour that it might, but it was sort of late in the night. And as I mentioned before, raids usually happened early in the evening. The cops go to bed early. Yeah, so everyone's like, ah, we're fine. Um, This is from Wikipedia again. Uh, At 1.20am on Saturday, June 28, 1969, four plainclothed policemen in dark suits, two patrol officers in uniform, Detective Charles Smythe and Deputy Inspector Seymour Pine arrived at the Stonewall Inn's double doors and announced, Police, we're taking the place. The music was turned off and the main lights were turned on. Approximately 200 people were in the bar that night. Patrons who had never experienced a police raid were confused. A few who realised what was happening began to, ran, began to run for doors and windows in the bathroom, but police barred the doors. So they're like, bail. But remember, there's no fire exit. It's not the easiest place to get out of. The standard procedure was to line up patrons, check their IDs, and this part really fucking sucks. Female police officers take customers dressed as women to the bathroom to verify their sex. Oh, my God. <sighs> upon which any person appearing to be physically male and dressed as women would be arrested. Doesn't that fucking suck? Um, But remember, it was the law in New York that you had to wear clothes that matched your genitals. It's very, very important to everyone. Three Three pieces of clothing that match. That's right. What about three badges that just say... Boy, boy, boy. Boy, boy, boy. (laughs) Dudes, huh? Yeah. And uh, yeah, boys. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Men boys. Men boys. Yeah, I think that should do it. That's I mean, a, a woman couldn't wear that. No. So, well, it would be inappropriate. It'd be inappropriate did, unless they're wearing three pieces of. But I think women maybe, clothing too. Yeah, but is it just like you just have to have three, or does it does it is it about ratios? Oh, it's oh. a plus and minus system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, okay, she's wearing three men badges, but three women badges that cancel each other out. That's All right, so we're zero. four men badges and one <laughs> women onesie. Oh, yeah, okay. So then you're still... What's a women onesie? Oh, just a onesie that says I'm a woman. (laughs) Sounds like a nightmare to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, they are. Oh, no, you'd have have the appropriate flaps. That's the thing. They don't put flaps in them these days. Bullshit. Flap free. you got to fully get naked in that cubicle. Yeah, it's really... Because you put on a jumpsuit or a playsuit and you're like, look at this, a lot of... Then you got to go to the toilet and you have to get pretty much naked and you feel really stupid. (laughs) You're like, what am I doing? (laughs) I'm cold. And every time... Every time you wear a play suit or a jumpsuit, that's where, like, and you go out, it'll be, that will be the time you'll be at a place where there's a full-length mirror in front of the toilet for some reason. So you have to look at yourself while you're sitting there naked. It, it, the, the way you're talking about it makes it sound like you are 
wearing onesies every other day. Not it well that not that often because of this very right. reason. It's got to be really worth it. Yeah. Anyway, plenty of people listening understand what I mean. They I, get it. I look. I get it. You don't get it. You're still calling them onesies. Okay. What do <laughs> we on, call them? They're play suits, man. It's play suit. I haven't heard the term play suit before. Or a jumpsuit. You've heard jumpsuit before. Jumpsuit, yeah, like a you're just like, like overall. A criminal. <laughs> yeah. You wear when you're painting. That's right. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, schmock. <laughs> what's, what's, a, what's, schmock? A, what's a onesie then? Like an animal onesie where you got the yeah, right. That's a onesie. Yeah, you'd call unicorn a onesie. hood on the top. Yeah, that's yeah. a big bird outfit. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes they have the the butt flap. That's they? true. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, <laughs> but <laughs> like, you were talking about like talking dungarees like- or something. Uh, sure. Yeah. I don't have time to explain the difference of jumpsuit, playsuits, dungarees. There's simply no time. <laughs> I don't know what a playsuit is. Playsuit's just like a jumpsuit is is all in one. Yeah. So, not I guess dungarees, but not quite, it, but it's all in one. And then a playsuit's just like it's usually shorts or a, instead of pants, it's shorts. Right. It's more summer appropriate. Okay. What about the term romper? Yeah, it's a romper. I didn't realise that, that this world was so complicated. Yeah, it's tough. They're all onesies to me. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> yeah. That's probably the best way to look at it. Um, so, previously when raids happened, patrons would run for it. It was dangerous to not only their physical safety to be caught, but also their jobs, families, and not even to touch on their mental health as well. So, they'd, they'd leg it. But on this particular night, the vibe in the bar felt different. Those dressed in the wrong kind of clothing, I say that in uh, quotation marks, refused to go with the police officers. Others in line began to refuse to produce their ID. um, Those who were not arrested were released out of the bar's front door, but they didn't leave. Instead, they stopped outside and a crowd began to grow and watch. Quickly between 100 and 150 people had congregated outside. Some... Some after they were released from inside the stone wall and some after noticing the police cars and the crowd. Although the police forcefully pushed or kicked some patrons out of the bar, some customers released by the police performed for the crowd by opposing and saluting the police in an exaggerated fashion and the crowds like applauding and encouraging <laughs> them. They're just like, and I'll, I'll talk about it a bit more, but it, it feels like everything's just been bubbling up for such a long time and this was just... Like the lid flew off, like they were ready to explode. Police wagons arrived and were met with a growing crowd of onlookers. Mafia members and bar staff were loaded into police wagons as people started to shout. From quite a few accounts, the vibe was a mix of general good humour and growing and intensive hostility. So by good humour, they're kind of taking the piss. Author Edmund White, who had been passing by, recalled, Everyone's restless, angry and high-spirited. No one has a slogan, no one even has an attitude, but something's brewing. What happened next has become something of a legend. Accounts vary um, a fair bit, but a lot of the key points remain mostly the same. Author Martin Duberman, whose book Stonewall is widely considered the definitive account of what happened, has said, in terms of what happened that night, it really depends on who you talk to, and that includes the people who were actually there. They often have very different takes on what went down. 
But what we're fairly sure of is that a scuffle broke out when a woman in handcuffs was being escorted to a waiting police wagon. She escaped repeatedly (laughs) and fought the police, swearing and shouting and complaining of her handcuffs being too tight. One witness claimed this woman was hit on the head by a police officer's baton and sparked the violence in onlookers when she looked up at bystanders and said, why don't you guys do something? Anger bubbled over and it had been brewing for a very long time and the crowd quickly became a mob. The police tried to restrain some of the crowd, knocking the f- a few people down, which incited bystanders even more. Some of those in handcuffs in the wagon escaped when police left them unattended. Some witnesses say that was deliberate. The police kind of let them go. As the commotion continued, more and more people appeared, spilling out of other bars and restaurants, wanting to see what was going on. Someone in the crowd declared that the bar had been raided because they didn't pay off the cops, prompting the mob to shower police wagons with coins. They're like, oh, we'll pay them off then. Here's your money. A nearby construction site was raided for bricks, which were thrown at police wagons and buildings. We forgot to brick them as well. We didn't brick them. With the crowd now in the hundreds, some sources saying five to 600 people, the police were way outnumbered. Ten police officers barricaded themselves and some detainees inside the Stonewall Inn for their own safety. One of the detainees was focusing a Dave Van Ronk, um, who'd been in a bar a few doors down when the riot uh, had started. And a quote from Wiki says, Though Van Ronk was not gay, he had experienced police violence when he participated in anti-war demonstrations and said, As far as I was concerned, anybody who'd stand against the cops was all right with me and that's why I stayed in. So he's just kind of come out of a bar. There's a riot happening and he's like, Who are we find? They're finding the cops? All right. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm in. <laughs> and so they've barricaded the some cops in with some of the patrons inside the club yeah. and they're being a bit like, you guys sort it out in there. <laughs> yeah. They're just like they've got people uh, in handcuffs inside the inn and the cops are in there like oh, waiting for backup to come and Does anyone want a drink or- rescue them. Should we help ourselves? Or- oh, these glasses aren't very so, clean. Yeah. You come, come in much? Yeah. Is this, uh, yeah. Regular haunt for you. Yeah, I wonder if they all of a sudden start seeing them like humans. Yeah. Huh. Huh. There you go. Like I touched on earlier, this had been brewing for a long time. The US and the world had been fighting change and several movements were all happening at once. Uh, One person who was there, Michael Fader, explains what it was like. We all had a collective feeling like we'd had enough of this kind of shit. It wasn't anything tangible anybody said to anybody else. It was just kind of like everything over the years had come to a head on that one particular night in the one particular place, and it was not an organised demonstration. Everyone in the crowd felt that we were never going to go back. It was like the last straw. It was time to reclaim something that had always been taken from us. All kinds of people, all different reasons, but mostly it was total outrage, anger, sorrow, everything combined, and everything just kind of ran its course. We weren't going to be walking meekly into the night and letting them shove us around. It's like standing your ground for the first time and in a really strong way, and that's what caught police by surprise. There was something in the air, freedom a long time overdue, and we're going to fight for it. It took different forms, but the bottom line was we weren't going to go anywhere, and we didn't. So that kind of, I don't know, I really liked what he was saying there because it sort of sets the the tone and, yeah, this had been a long time coming and it just kind of bubbled over. So it's broken into total chaos now. Garbage cans, bottles, rocks and bricks are being thrown. A parking meter has been pulled out of the ground Whoa. and is being used like a battering ram to get back into the Stonewall Inn. Wow. The Tactical Patrol Force, or TPF, 
of New York City uh, Police Department arrived to free the police officers who had barricaded themselves inside. And the TPF formed a line with their tactical gear and attempted to clear the street by marching slowly and pushing the crowd back. You know how they kind of mm. they all line up together? Like but a Roman legion. That's it, shields yeah. Shields next to each other. But the mob openly mocked the police. <laughs> they cheered. They started impromptu kick lines and started singing. <laughs> like, like a cabaret line. Yeah, That's does. awesome. It's really pretty funny. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're singing songs and just doing kick lines, which is pretty funny. Um, not surprisingly, this didn't de-escalate the situation in the slightest. One witness said the cops were totally humiliated. No group had ever forced cops to retreat before, so the anger was just enormous. One participant who had been in the Stonewall uh, during the raid recalled, the police rushed us, and that's when I realised this is not a good thing to do because they got me in the back with a nightstick. So them dancing and mocking the police, uh, the police didn't like that. The riot continued for several hours while the stone wall was also set on fire at some point as well. Not like a full-on blaze, but it did some damage. But it doesn't have any fire exits, so that's not good. So that's yeah. not great. People are out by now. It's the okay. last place you want to have a fire. Um, but at least, you know, I'm assuming the, the fire department already there on site. Um, yeah, probably. Well, there's at least one fireman. Yeah, so that's not so bad. Could yeah. have been worse. Could have been worse. Is the one fireman you're talking about from the village people? Yeah, it was what I was thinking. <laughs> that I was like, is there a fireman in there? <laughs> in a very Benny Hill type image, uh, Craig Rodwell, owner of the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop, reported watching police chase participants through the crooked streets only to see them appear around the next corner behind the police. <laughs> that is very Benny Hill. That we love. <laughs> Members of the mob stopped cars overturning one of them to block Christopher Street and there was a, a, a column printed in a, in a magazine that declared that massive crowds of angry protesters chased the police for blocks screaming, catch them. So it's a bit full on. <laughs> it's a bit wild. By 4am, most of the chaos had subsided and the street cleared. Many people gathered in the nearby Christopher Park, an eerie quiet and electricity in the air as they talked in disbelief and excitement about the events that had transpired. The Stonewall Inn was ransacked and nearly everything inside was destroyed. The fire hadn't caused complete destruction, but payphones, toilets, mirrors, jukeboxes and cigarette machines were all smashed. They're like, the owner's like, oh, these toilets are in a horrible state. Yeah. Must have oh, been the riot. Oh, these rioters. <laughs> I'll be claiming that on insurance. Yeah. <laughs> it's never like this. It's poo everywhere. <laughs> Usually it's very clean in here. Usually it's beautiful. I've got, I'm, I'm so proud of my nice, clean, beautiful toilet. Well, the cops have obviously shat all over the floor. Oh. Somehow they've taken away our running water. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. That's unbelievable. They've removed the whole plumbing system oh, from back here. They've taken out the fire exits. We used to have six, which <laughs> is how many we're supposed to have. If you look at it, it looks as if there was never plumbing here, but there definitely was. Gosh, they're, they're good Gosh. at being bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, 13 people had been arrested, a few people in the crowd had been hospitalised and four police officers were injured. The New York Times, the New York Post and the Daily News all covered the riots the next day. All day, people came to stare at the burned and blackened Stonewall Inn. Jeez, there was more, like, there was a lot going on back then. People I know. were going to stare at an inn. That's it. They go and just have a look. A photo will do that job. But also, like, when's the last time you bought a newspaper or looked at a newspaper? Paying for petrol, walking past them. Oh, yeah. Have a quick Normally look. Normally have a quick look. Yeah. So what's on the front page? That's probably about it. It's not a library, mate. <laughs> you going to pay for that? <laughs> what I mean is, like, something that was printed in the newspaper, and they're like, well, we better bloody go have a look. Yeah. Did people not have plans 
in the day? Like, did you not have things to do? Mm. I can't just spontaneously go look at a burned, blackened building. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, is it something I'm doing wrong with my life that I don't have that kind of flexibility? I don't know. I guess it depends on it. what. What's the burnt building doing? Is it just sitting there, smouldering? Uh, yeah, well, smouldering. I didn't realize it was smouldering. I love yeah. seeing people smoulder. <laughs> oh yeah, and buildings, I guess. Yeah. Um, graffiti appeared on the walls of the bar declaring drag power. They invaded our rights, support gay power, and legalise gay bars, along with accusations of police looting. And regarding the status of the bar, we are open. <laughs> so the bar's like, come on in, baby. Wow. But the riot was not over. The next night, Saturday the 28th of June, Christopher Street was once again filled with people. Many people returned from the previous evening, but the coverage in the press also meant they were joined by curious onlookers and tourists. Oh, okay. Imagine being like, how lucky are we that we're in New York this weekend? Yeah, oh my God. The TripAdvisor reviews went to the Stonewall riot. So, Fantastic. Ab- so much fun. Flash I love photography. Love culture. <laughs> <laughs> There's already walking tours. And this is the side of the Stonewall riots. <laughs> uh, as you can see, as the building's still are. smouldering. And as you can see, the riots are kicking off once again. So arm yourselves. Please stand back. That, yeah, it's crazy. I feel like a real New Yorker. <laughs> Um, remarkable to many was the sudden exhibition of homosexual affection in public, as described by one witness, from going to places where you had to knock on a door and speak to someone through a peephole in order to get in. We were just out. We were in the streets. So they're just, they've just essentially, it feels like the vibe was fuck it, which I think is a fun vibe. Love it. Always a fun vibe to be a part of, often how I've ended up with tattoos. Someone who became synonymous with the Stonewall riots was African-American drag queen Marsha P. Johnson, um, who several people who suggested this topic um, mentioned Marsha specifically, has a very interesting and quite sad story. Um, but, you know, I had absolutely had to mention her, but I don't talk a lot about her in, in this particular report. Um, she was there on the first night of the riots and was seen on the second night climbing a lamppost and dropping a heavy bag onto the hood of a police car, shattering the windshield. <laughs> Just a little bit funny. What's in the bag? I don't know. Bricks, maybe? Yeah. Once again, fires were started in garbage cans throughout the neighbourhood and the TFP once again arrived around 2am for another round of kick lines and police chases. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah, it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> 
that is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. <laughs> Once again, around 4am, the street had gone quiet, but the ripple effect was only going to continue to grow, as ripples do. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Do you know wow. What I mean? Yeah. Ripples grow. Do you know what I mean? Like they just keep getting bigger. Yeah, they're rippling out. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Have you, you ever seen a ripple stop? You can't stop the ripple. You can't mm. stop a ripple. Believe it. Try. Can't do it. Build a little dam or something. It just ripples straight back at you. It's just going to ripple back and forth. It's going to ripple right back, back at you. Oh, my God. I'm just ripple right back at you. I love chocolate ripple cakes. Oh, my God. Who's with me? Yes. But once you start, you can't stop. Oh, the I, ripple effect. I could eat that whole. I could eat that whole cake. And it's just some bickies that have uh-huh. gone a bit soggy because of cream. Yeah. <sighs> It doesn't like it shouldn't be as delicious as it is. I think it's, I think it's science, right? Yeah, that oh. sounds kind of gross when you say it. Yeah, I must it's say. gross, but it's so fucking yeah. delicious. Love a chocolate ripple cake. Oh, love a chocolate ripple bake. <laughs> I love a bockle meal cake. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get a chocolate? Ripple let's cake? get one yeah, after this. Let's get a chocolate ripple. Surely there's somewhere we can get one for lunch. Surely. One chocolate ripple for us, thanks. For the uh, table. Yeah, three, one for the table. Three spoons. It's a big one, Dave. It's a family okay, thank size. God, thank goodness. It's not a slice. Yoof. Jeez, we're getting Jeez, the whole cake. We're getting the cake, Dave. Well, Dave, we're get getting three. the cake. I thought we'd get three. Do you blame me? You're going to eat a whole cake, are you? Fuck yeah. Dave, okay. come on. We've come seen on, you Dave. eat. <laughs> we don't have all day, mate. How many sittings is this taking? <laughs> can I take this cake to go? <laughs> get a doggy bag for the cake, please. <laughs> So, yeah, they've rioted again. Poor weather dampened further riots on the Monday and Tuesday. It was a bit wet. They're like, oh, oh we're not yeah. going out of that. While some took the opportunity to print leaflets reading, get the mafia and cops out of gay bars. The leaflets called for gay people to own their own establishments, for a boycott of the Stonewall and other mafia-owned bars, and for public pressure on the mayor's office to investigate the in- intolerable situation. To be clear, the revolt wasn't seen as a positive step to all members of the queer community. Older community members who had worked uh, throughout the 50s and 60s to promote homosexuals as no different from heterosexuals found the display of violence and effeminate behaviour to be embarrassing. You know, it's sort of like that older generation being like, you're being a bit much. You know, that's, well, no, that's not proper or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame. But yeah. that, that's often the case, right? Of course. The generational thing is so funny, but. And and quite a few of these people come around. Our generation did it right. Yeah. When we were just. You're doing it slightly differently and I don't like that. You're being you <laughs> yeah. and I don't enjoy that. Okay. You're being a bit loud. Mm-hmm. You're being a bit unashamed about who you are and your gender and sexual identity, and I don't enjoy that. It's a bit much, a bit confronting for me. So I can I can understand where they're coming from being that older older sort of generation, but, um, yeah, quite a few of them come around, and I'll talk about that later as well. After a couple of quieter days of sporadic activity, things kicked off again quite soon. On the Wednesday, the Village Voice ran reports of the riots that included unflattering descriptions of the events and its participants. I can't even say any of the the phrases I read in the article um, because it's just slur city. But they're just, yeah, it's it's not a very nice um, 
uh, article that they wrote. And so a mob descended upon Christopher Street once again and threatened to burn down the offices of the Village Voice. Amongst a mob of between 500 and 1,000 people were other groups that had unsuccessfully uh, confronted, had unsuccessful confrontations with the police and were curious how the police were defeated in this situation. So they're there like scoping out so, how do you beat the cops. Wow, it's sort of like tactical. Yeah, it's sort of like, well, I can't beat the big boss on Mario, right. so I'm going to watch my big brother do it yeah. <laughs> and then I'll have a crack. <laughs> perfect. And the perfect analogy. Another explosive street battle took place with injuries to demonstrators and police alike, local shops getting looted and arrests of five people. The riot symbolised a significant change was happening and an urgency spread throughout other organisations as well. That same week, the Mattachine Society, which was a gay rights organisation that had been around since 1950, took part in its annual picket in front of the Independence Hall in Philadelphia. The picket had been happening for years. They were very tame, very controlled events. Women wore skirts and men wore suits and ties and they all marched quietly in organised lines. And they'd been doing this for years and it was their sort of more quiet, subdued protest and, and these are the people that were sort of had done a lot of work for a long time to show hetero people that uh, that queer people weren't scary, which is we really do need to be, um, you know, a, ha- a lot of hand-holding for hetero people. Right, but are these the same people that are, are, are being like, you can't write, you can't, you're, ma- you're making us look bad. Yeah. You're sort of turning people against That's our cause right. maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, But given what had happened just a few days earlier back in New York, one participant said it was clear that things were changing. People who'd felt oppressed now felt empowered. So couples held hands during the pickets, which attracted more attention than previous marches. But some of the organisers of the march were like, don't, what are you doing? And many of the Mattachine methods now seemed too mild for people who'd seen the riots and were feeling empowered and inspired. So other organisations started to pop up. The Gay Liberation Front was soon formed and it was the first organisation to use gay in its name because previous groups had sort of masked their purpose with deliberately obscure names, sort of. Again, trying not to like cause a fuss or so they're just like gay liberation front. Fuck the you. Chocolate ripple cake baking society. Yeah. yeah. And then people are like, so what do you stand for? Uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry don't. about it. We bake. We've and, got a manifesto. And we smooch each other. <laughs> if you read between the lines, I think you'll yeah. get it. Well, read between the ripples. <laughs> read between the ripples. A very sensual dessert. <laughs> So changes kept coming, and quickly. Within six months of the Stonewall riots, activists started a citywide newspaper called Gay. They considered it necessary because the most liberal publication in the city, The Village Voice, refused to print the word gay in uh, GLF advertisements seeking new members and volunteers. And the, But The Village Voice was the one who, six months ago, they were threatening to burn down because of the article they wrote, and that's the most liberal publication Wow. Yeah. Two other newspapers were initiated within a six-week period, Come Out and Gay Power. The readership of these three periodicals quickly climbed to between twenty and 25,000 people. So it's big, and this is happening within six months. By Are they late- counting people as readers if they just see the front page as they've paid for their petrol? I think you've got to flick at least three pages. Okay. And then- oh, it's always threes with yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these New Yorkers, huh? Every rule, it's got to be three. That's right. I mean, there's only two so far, so I imagine there'll be a third example (laughs) soon. (laughs) Oh, God, now I need to find one. Um, By late December, another group was formed called the Gay Activist Alliance, or the GAA. They developed and perfected a confrontational tactic called a ZAP. 
They would catch a politician off guard during a public relations opportunity and force him or her to acknowledge gay and lesbian rights. <laughs> Zap. Wow. Bit of fun. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. <laughs> gotcha. They're, they're people. I don't have examples if, if that's what you're asking. No, it's I don't know exactly how they did it, but isn't zap that zap up being like, oh yeah, one final question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did that a lot. There was one, um, there was one situation where they like some sort of politician um, was you know speaking, and nearly everybody in the audience was from the GAA, so he was really cornered. <laughs> it's like twenty questions. He's like, oh, we'll go to another question. Great, I have the same question. <laughs> <laughs> Police raids, of course, continued after the Stonewall riots. In March of 1970, 167 people were arrested during a raid on an after-hours gay club called the Snake Pit. GAA members organised a march from Christopher Park to the 6th Precinct in which hundreds of gay men, lesbians and liberal sympathisers peacefully confronted the TPF. They also sponsored a letter-writing campaign to Mayor Lindsay in which the Greenwich Village Democratic Party and Congressman Ed Koch sent pleas to end raids on gay bars in the city. So it's just like it's just sparked a whole bunch of change. Um, that kind of, like I said, that fuck it attitude, that um, just being sick of hiding who you are and, and really embracing it very suddenly, like a really quick turnaround, meant that a lot of other people – you know, no matter their sexual or gender identity, were kind of jumping on board and, like, joining in. Amazing. Isn't that cool? This has been what I didn't realise how instant the effects were. Yeah, really quick. These were quick ripples. Totally. Much like a delicious (laughs) ripple cake. Yeah, well, if I'm eating it, they're quick. (laughs) (laughs) It's gone. That's why we can't share one. That's why Dave wants to do it. Yeah, you you eat (laughs) way faster than me. It's not fair. I'm a scoffer. It's not fair. He's a scoffer. I'm a scoffer. (laughs) <laughs> and Dave's a, a, a take your timer, and I'm somewhere in between. You know, I'm what? the mama bear. <laughs> <laughs> Just right. Yeah. You know, there was a question that came up ages ago. What Simpsons quotes do you? Use in everyday life. Zap is that one? Oh, zap's good. I thought because I was just talking about zap. I was thinking the just saying scoffer. I um I don't know why, but I always think. One whopper for the copper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When Homer's like throw, he's, he's dishing out one. hamburgers and uh, yeah, Quimby. I remember the, for the I remember the visual of Quimby catching one. Yeah, I think that's it. But I don't remember what Homer was saying. <laughs> there you go. So the Stonewall Inn lasted only a few weeks after the riot. By October of 1969, it was up for rent. Village residents surmised it was too notorious a location, plus media campaigns to boycott the iconic venue seem to have been successful. Really? Which media? Because they only need 200 people to fill it. Yeah, true. Who's like – and I'm guessing the people that are trying to get to boycott it aren't the regular clientele. Yeah. Unless the media is the new the gay-friendly media. And they're saying don't go there. For some it doesn't reason. have fire exits. It's not yeah, very safe. Which would, yeah, which makes some well, sense. It reasonable. does sound very unsafe. But, yeah, not, not 100% sure but why. Not it weren't some people pushing for gay-owned bars rather than right. mafia funded. Yeah, okay, that makes that's sense. That's right. Yeah, that's why they were, so that's don't why go they were there, boycotting it. Go to this other bar. That's oh, actually, actually new bars are popping up. I think so, yeah. Oh, well, they great. certainly start to. But, yeah, then they're actually run by members of the community who give a shit, not mafia who are trying to exploit you. <laughs> yeah. Extortion. I'd love to know what if if there is and what it is that like the Australian equivalent of this event. I know the the first Mardi Gras in mm. Sydney was pretty hectic and that would like change a lot of things. And now it's obviously just a mainstream celebration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know what sort of kicked it off here, but this kind of, I mean, you are amazing at doing this. You'll often ask a question as like my next sentence covers (laughs) some stuff, which is fun. That just means you've uh, put the report together very well. Thank you so much. Yes, it's my writing ability. On the one-year anniversary of the Stonewall riots, so June 28, 1970, the community celebrated what was called Christopher Street Liberation Day by assembling together on the street. There were simultaneous marches in LA and Chicago, and these were the first gay pride marches in US history. Wow. All kicked off because of this riot. The next year, gay pride marches took place in Boston, Dallas, Milwaukee, London, Paris, West Berlin, and Stockholm. That's sick. It continued to grow. By 1972, the participating cities included Atlanta, Buffalo, Detroit, Washington, D.C., Miami, Minneapolis, and Philadelphia, as well as San Francisco. And then it, it it spread throughout other parts of the world, which is kind of cool. Older members of the queer community who had previously been embarrassed by the events of the Stonewall riots soon came to embrace the changes. Frank uh, Kameny, one of the most significant figures in the American gay rights movement, had been an activist since the 50s and his aim was always had always been to convince heterosexuals that gay people were not different to them, like we were saying before. He was one of the older school ones. When he and others marched in front of the White House, the State Department and Independence Hall only five years earlier, their objective was to look as if they could work for the US government. Ten people marched with Kameni then and they alerted no press to their intentions. It was a more subdued, subtle activism. He later observed, by the time of Stonewall, we had 50 to 60 gay groups in the country. A year later, there was at least 1,500. By two years later, uh, to the extent that could – that a count could be made, it was 2,500. That's amazing. So he's, he's acknowledging the huge impact that Stonewall had and the expansion it had in the whole community, which was amazing. That's a ripple. That's a ripple. Now I understand my own analogy. <laughs> Historian David Carter in his article, What Made Stonewall Different, explained that even though there were several uprisings before Stonewall, the reason Stonewall was so significant was that thousands of people were involved, the riots lasted a long time, about six days, and it was the first to get major media coverage and it sparked the formation of many gay rights groups. So some people sort of argue that like people had been fighting for gay rights much earlier and there had been other big events and other riots and other raids on bars and stuff like that. But he's kind of explaining why this one was different and why it's seen as significant. So still today, the Stonewall riots are often considered to be the origin or the impetus of the gay liberation movement. And many studies of LGBTQA plus history in the US are divided into pre and post Stonewall analysis. The event has been said to occupy a unique place in the collective memory of many queer people, including those outside of the United States, as it is marked by an international commemorative ritual, an annual gay pride parade. Within two years of the Stonewall riots, there were gay rights groups in every major American city, as well as in Canada, Australia and Western Europe. Now, this isn't to say that Stonewall was the first time that the queer community fought back, like I was just saying, um, but the legacy that Stonewall riots left was undeniable. The actual inn itself has had many lives. It changed hands many times and it closed down a few times as well. But the area around the inn in Christopher Park was declared a National Historic Landmark in Feb of 2000. And in January 2007, it was announced that the Stonewall Inn would undergo major renovations and it was reopened in March of that year. It's regained popularity due to its historical significance. And since the landmark passage of New York State's Marriage Equality Act in 2011, the inn now offers uh, queer wedding receptions as well. Ah, any word on running water? I believe it has running water. It does have plumbing. 
Great. which is pretty good. They put it back in after the cops they took it, it out that in, night. They put it back in, those sneaky cops taking it out. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's kind of, I think, a, a good sort of – I mean, it's such a complex and sort of huge issue. Like I'm saying, there's been so many other important people and important events in that history that have led to this, but it was just sort of a culmination of a lot of um, pressures and changes and oppression and it just bubbled over. It became this big riot, which then had this huge ripple effect. It's pretty amazing. So I was preparing myself for the cops to come back with an army yeah. in the following days and just start killing people. Yeah, you're expecting so a bloodbath. So I'm so stoked with <laughs> yeah, yeah, was- how that didn't happen. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's... <laughs> Which is, you know, you <laughs> it's real little things that make you happy, yeah. isn't it? Oh, oh, they didn't go and no massacre them. <laughs> That's so good. I know. And it's like, you know, there's still... It, it didn't cure or fix anything, of course. It would be so ignorant to be like, yeah, and everything's good now. Um, what? And- is everything not good now? Not everything's good now. And also, like, you know, probably worth acknowledging too that... Um, it, just because there was sort of like a the gay liberation movement didn't mean that it was inclusive of it like trans people fought for ages and they were sort of like can we be involved and so they were kind of like on the cusp where they were sort of welcome but not welcome right. within that community and so because you, you did you mentioned before there were some trans mm-hmm. um, slogans written on the on the wall after yep. the ride yeah so they were sort of there were yeah but not. Not fully involved. Yeah, they were on like an outer perimeter where they were sort of welcome in some contexts but not others and right. it was still, even back then, it was, uh, I would say that outwardly it was like gay and lesbian and not really anything else. And so we obviously have a much better understanding of gender identity, sexual identity now um, and that continues to change and grow, which is very cool. But back then it was, you know, but, you know, baby steps. You got to make some little changes, and then but this go sounds like from a, there. this is a big event in the step towards yeah, lots like of a, little changes. A, le- a leap yeah. forward, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. There was, like you say, there was before that day and after that day, mm. things were very different. Which is, yeah, I mean, it's it uh, tells you what can be achieved mm. by just a group of people who were yeah yeah putting them, them their lives on the line. Basically, right. I mean, yeah, that was dangerous and and would have been really scary. It, Seems like nobody was really badly hurt from what I, you know, read and came across. But yeah, pretty full on. But what a what a weird and kind of electric time that would have been to be in the city. It's like yeah, everybody describing like the vibe. There was just a buzz. It was like excitement, and it was a bit dangerous. And it was yeah, it's like you can sort of feel change coming, which is kind of nice. Bit of fun. Very cool. But, yeah, for, for anybody else who didn't uh, didn't really know much of the history of the Stonewall riots or the significance, I hope that was a good sort of interact um, introduction. There's a lot of uh, documentaries about it, films being made about it, so if you're interested, definitely go and um, have a bit more of a read. But that is the Stonewall riots. Great report. I'm glad I know so much more about it now. Thank you. That's so great, Bopper. And I just did a quick Google seeing how it um, – you know, I was asking what the Australian equivalent was. Oh, yes, yep. Found this article on SBS, which is was written at the 50-year anniversary a couple of years ago. Uh, and there's a paragraph says, before long the ripples of Stonewall. <laughs> and it says ripples in uh, quotation marks. I wonder if they're quoting you. I assume, yeah. 
<laughs> from <laughs> before long, the ripples of Stonewall hit Australia where LGBTIQ plus momentum had been building, but discrimination remained widespread. In 1970, Australians uh, Christabel Pohl and John Ware came out in the Australian newspaper and announced the formation of CAMP, the Campaign Against Moral Persecution. From there, activism started, uh, said Wotherspoon, who was a member of CAMP in the early days. CAMP started to deal with several things, such as the medical profession, which did aversion therapy and psychosurgery to deal with the law, uh, which criminalized homosexual activity, to deal with the church, which regarded us as sinful, he said. Then in March 1978, Australians Ken Davis and Anne Talv received a letter from the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day organisers calling on people from overseas to stand up for, L- for LGBTIQ plus rights and commemorate the Stonewall riots. As representatives of San Francisco's large and active gay community, we are encouraging worldwide activities for gay rights uh, June 25th and the week before in order to present the largest and most unified show of support in history, the letter read. It was one element that led to the first Mardi Gras being held in Sydney later that year. And I found this um, other website, National Museum of Australia, mm. just a quick uh, a quick paragraph about this, but I'm starting to think this would make a great report on itself. Yeah. It says, on June 24th, 1978, a small group of gay and lesbian people operating as the Gay Solidarity Group started, uh, staged a day of events in Sydney. The intention was to promote gay and lesbian culture and to encourage political activism against the discrimination they routinely experienced. The group organised a traditional march and public meeting in the morning and a street parade at night. The violent police response to the parade brought national attention and helped to establish the parade as an annual event. And there's just one quote from Peter Tully, who was there, a designer and artistic director, he said, I'd gone along expecting a Mardi Gras and finished up in a humdinger of a ride in King's Cross. <laughs> <laughs> humdinger. Um, yeah, and I forgot to mention as well, that's why Pride Month is celebrated in June as well. So, still. Yeah, mate. So it, it really, not just like ripple effects, but there's still like still very huge. direct uh, um, effects from that, the time. Yep. So, yeah, I'd, so it sounds like it directly influenced the Mardi Gras, in Australia, the yes. gay and lesbian Mardi Gras in Sydney. Yep. Which is the city we all want to be. We all want to be Sydney. They're the beautiful sister. God, God, I want to be Sydney. I want to be Sydney. If I could wish upon a star and (laughs) change, swap bodies, I'd choose Sydney. I'd choose the body of Sydney. (laughs) If only there was a way we could move there. We want to be there so much. God, if only there was a way. (laughs) Ah, We'll never get there. Never. Yeah, it's just not possible. Um, Why dream? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was was awesome, Bob. I really enjoyed it. I was. I think I was bracing for it to be sadder than it was. Yeah. And I imagine there was probably some things that you could have gone into more details yeah. of how fucked it all was. Of but course. It's quite a, you know, it's quite a, a an encouraging, obviously, yeah. story. But just having to, yeah, it's, it's fucked, isn't it? Just having to fight so hard to be treated like a person. But because those people did fight so hard, life is better now for a lot of people. In the queer community, but it's still not Obviously, great. Yeah. They're still so they're to still having to, to work, yeah. and we're still having to work as allies. It's just yeah, it's wild. But I hope, um, yeah, I hope if that was a topic that you suggested or something that's very important to you, I hope we did it justice. Um, and yeah, if it, you knew nothing about it, much like I mean, Dave and I, and, and I don't think Matt knew heaps either. Um, it's probably an important thing to know about. 
Absolutely. And very block worthy. That's right. Yes. Good choice there. And everybody who voted. Well done. Great choice. Well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show where we thank a few of our great supporters uh, who support us via patreon.com slash pod. There's a bunch of different uh, rewards and things you can get on the different levels, including bonus episodes. Uh, you get access to the friendliest corner of the internet, the Facebook group, and other things such as you get to vote on topics and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but on one of the one of the levels, the Sydney Schoenberg level, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. And I'll read four of those out every week. This section actually has a little jingle. It goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. He always remembers the ding. She always remembers the jingle. And on this, uh, our Sydney Scheinbergers get to give us fact, quote, a question, brag, or suggestion, whatever they like. They also get to give us a uh, – they get to give themselves a title, I should say. Uh, this week, we've got Thomas Doppelrider off, straight off the bat, uh, who's given himself the title of Vice President of the Weed Hornet Fan Club. Oh, wow. Austrian <laughs> chapter. Oh. So there's at least one other Weed Hornet fan in Austria. That yeah, means. we were big in weed in uh, in Austria. Yeah. We were big in weed. Yeah. <laughs> Austria, that's where Hitler's from, isn't it? He was born there. No, no uh, relation. Um, so Thomas is offering us a question this week. Okay, great. Love a question. Writing, I'm getting married, bitch. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, he's excited. I get it. But then he said, oh, wrong podcast. I, I guess that's for the I'm married, bitch pod. I love that pod. I think that's a Weekly Planet thing. <laughs> okay. I'm not allowed to listen to that pod. I'm not getting married. Because you're not married, bitch. I'm not married, bitch. Uh, I've uh, started listening in the last six months. <laughs> Loving it. It's great to be part of a community of married people. <laughs> they talk about weddings nonstop on that <laughs> podcast. That I was like, who is Iron Man marrying this week? I listened to, <laughs> I listened to it a bit. I don't think I've ever heard him say that. Um, I'm afraid you're not allowed. Oh. Do those bits get edited <laughs> yeah, out for yeah. non-married people? Yeah, there's, there's no a ring on that finger. There's a fake feed out for people like you, <laughs> for fake fans. Uh, all right. So, Thomas says, I'm getting married, bitch. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as I hope to get married next year, and some of you have some experience with that. Okay, I guess this one's for you, Dave. Any suggestions for nice things to do at a marriage? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a few think tips I think you can give him early. Uh, we do not want to push people into things they don't want to do. Everything should be fun, entertaining, and maybe child-friendly. Thanks for your great work. Okay, so like what have what elements of weddings you've been to have you really enjoyed? Oh. I think that's sort of like I a like good the open bar. Love an open oh, bar. Yes. Multiple uh drink options. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean you're not being pushed into it. No. It's there if you want it. Yes. Here if you need. Here if you need. It's a very netball energy about yeah. it. And even if like cuz an open bar is very expensive. But I went to a bar a wedding recently where there was like a couple of rounds of cocktails. Like before the ceremony, that oh, was a nice touch, you oh, know? A beautiful touch. And That's then a beer touch. wine after that, but like a few, a few little cocktails, delish. I, I think I like uh, I like it when the wedding and the cere- uh, the after parties at the same place. What yeah. Do you call it? The wake. The What's it called? It's reception. Reception. The wake. The wedding wake. The ripples you know. form a wake behind the <laughs> wedding boat. Because you're bloody, you're, you're, your single life's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I agree if it's in the same place because there's often yeah. that bit where I've been to weddings where, you know, it's in one place. And then there's hours they, they in between. They break for photos or something for about two hours. That's something that we did. We had uh, our photos before the reception, uh, before the ceremony rather. Yep. 
So that way there's no – afterwards you can get a few photos with family and friends all that kind of thing. Yeah. But then there's no big break for everyone else. And, and also, like you don't have to – you know, you look good for the photos and then after that, over the, the hours, you get you either get sweaty or you get rained on or whatever. I think you've built something on yourself within like 10 minutes of being married. Who, who cares though? <laughs> We've already got the photos in the can. Yep. But it's also – I think that's more for – you, Thomas, right? Like that way you're you're not missing a big chunk of the day because yeah. that bit's always fun, That those couple of hours. Yeah. I've been to a bunch of those where that's the best part of the day. Mm. We all go to some pub, we just have a great time and then you come to the reception and the, the bridal party's like, oh, you guys, look like you had a good time. <laughs> yeah, we had a fucking great time. <laughs> Happy wedding, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's... Yeah, drinking to catch up with your wedding you party. Don't miss yeah. that. I mean, if you're drinking, we're talking like everyone bloody drinks. Assume they're I, cool enough to. Yeah, my you're not cu- cool if you don't drink. Am I right? The the most recent wedding I went to had a photo booth, um, which was a bit of fun. Lots of props, and it printed them out straight away, and then you just had a little thing of photos. That the was technology, nice. huh? Beautiful. And I guess th- these are all things that you know uh, you're not pushing them into. That's right. Go for it if you want to. Yeah, made for a lot of fun. But got got a beautiful photo with my brother and sister in law that we really take photos together. And I was like, oh look at that, we have a nice photo of us having a good time. It's nice. Exactly a memory. I'm wondering, is Thomas angling because he's a big trivia buff? We know this about him. Yeah, he's a big quiz writer. Is he wondering whether he should do a quiz at the wedding? Oh yeah, I'd say I wouldn't do a quiz at the no, wedding. I don't do a quiz. Oh mate, it's your day, Thomas. If you maybe wanna... make your vows a trivia question, like who makes me. The happiest in the world. I went. I went to. Chris. A, I went to a wedding. Apart from Chris, recently that uh, at every at the reception, every place had a had like word games and stuff, and it said, "Hey, we're really introverted, so if any of you are and and uh, need something to do while you're at this wedding, here's some word games to work through." <laughs> that's fun. That's, that's cute. Because like it that. is. Yeah, you, so could, you could do something like that. I suppose. Put a bit of your personality. But if you, into, if you don't want to push people into something, then I don't know if um. Springing a trivia night on them is yeah, but what about in the vows? Yeah, in the yes. vows, slip them in the vows. Everybody loves vows. Final question: Yes or no? Do you take me? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yes do you or know no? the answer to this question? <laughs> I do. Uh, I'd say if you're talking about drinks, or if if you're putting some effort into drinks, make sure there's some good non-alcoholic drinks as well. Yeah. Uh, if they, if you're doing cocktails, yeah, get some cocktails. Good mocktails. Delish. They are delicious. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Oh, non-alcoholic beers are technology's come on a long way too. We can get non-alcoholic non-alcoholic gin. Yeah, non-alcoholic sodas. That's yeah. everything. Yeah, there's soft soda, soft drinks now. Yeah, it's crazy. Thank you, Thomas. Next one comes from Dave Loring, aka Director of Duplication, Repetition, and Redundancy. Okay. He's offering a fact. Right. Writing. If you've ever wondered what the technical difference between fog and mist is, it's apparently how far you can see through it. Ah. Where I live, there's a fog phenomenon called Bridgewater Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) There he is, Bridgewater Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. No one is entirely sure where the name came from, but it's this huge pipe of fog that forms over the Derwent River in Hobart and at its best completely swallows the city and surrounds. I had a few photos of it used in an ABC News article, and that article declared that if you can see further than one kilometre through the clouds, it's mist. If you can't, it's fog. I'll chuck the photos in the Facebook group when this is read out. I'm looking it up. It's like Silent Hill, but pretty. It is quite pretty. And what is it called again? 
Bridgewater Jerry. <laughs> I love it so much. Here's Bridgewater Jerry. Oh, Bridgewater Jerry, that's huge. Bridgewater Jerry, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> there you uh, go. That looks lovely. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. The next one comes from Pete Holburton. Uh, and Pete has given himself the title of occasion, occasional iPod yeller. Ah, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. I've seen Pete listening whilst you know, on his iPod, and he said hello to me, but he didn't yell it. Uh, okay, it's interesting. I like new listeners will be like, does Dave personally know everyone who <laughs> listens? You've got, you've had great facts about everyone. <laughs> That's something. I know all the Patreon supporters. I love you all. <laughs> I love that Pete is a yeller fella, and he's offered a, us a fact. On the Seven Wonders episode, Dave mentioned that Mount Ikea is the world's tallest mountain from base to summit, which reminded me of this fact. The top of Mount Everest isn't the furthest point on the Earth's surface from the center of the Earth. Because the Earth isn't a perfect sphere, it bulges at the equator. The top of Chimborazo in Ecuador is about two kilometers further from the Earth's center than Everest. And since Mauna Kea is taller, it makes you wonder why Everest gets all the press. <laughs> <laughs> Love God. all the pods. Thanks for all the laughs. You're right, Pete. I mean, it's, it's, it's not ticking the top box in any category. <laughs> yeah. What Who a cares? waste of space. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Oh, fuck off. Blow it up. Yeah, I agree. Bring, it down. It, Bring it down to size. Uh, I didn't know that about um, it not being the furthest point from. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And we obviously don't. Fact check any of these, but I, I we trust, take Pete's word for I it. I trust our iPod yelling friend. <laughs> and uh, finally, this week from Nathan Swap from Albuquerque in New Mexico, if that is even a real place. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be fooled by Bugs Bunny and his shenanigans. <laughs> uh, Nathan Swap, okay, no title because Matt hates monarchy and entitlements. <laughs> you know me so well, Nathan. Uh, Nathan is asking a question, writing the. The concept of royal crowns is several thousand years old and typically made from gold or silver, but my favourite crown is the steel crown of Romania, forged from the steel of a captured Ottoman cannon from Romania's War of Independence. Oh, that's cool. So my question is, what material would you have your crown made from? And um, Nathan's answered his own question. Do you want to hear his answer first? Yeah, yes. go on. My answer calls back to a fact I gave you a while ago. Aluminium, since I used... Sorry, aluminum. <laughs> Alum- from, must be from He's from Albuquerque. Mm, Albuquerque. <laughs> aluminum, since it used to be more valuable than gold. Plus, it's lightweight, so I can make it extra large and ostentatious. Yeah, true, <laughs> but huge. it won't be too heavy. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, maybe aluminum foil then. Yeah. Even lighter. That's good. And you can mould it into any shape mm. you Yeah, want. but it can look a bit shit. <laughs> Not the way I make it. Okay, I've seen your crowns, mate. Okay. What about the ultimate crown? <laughs> you collect all like the the most ostentatious crowns mm. from oh, around the world, melt the them down, and then create a new crown, but make yeah. it quite plain. Yeah, <laughs> feel like, huh? That's right. Doesn't matter. I like it like a, a simple crown, just a big ring. You know, like monkey magic style. I think, oh, yeah. I think you want a headband. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is yours in the shape of a, a baseball cap? Yes. Yeah, if I could get a visor on the front. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Peak, just something for yeah, a bit of sun protection. Otherwise, it gives you very little sun protection. You're yeah, right. they're kind of pointless. Not on the top of your head. Well, they are quite pointy, but. Yeah, I guess they'd cast a bit of a shadow depending on where the sun was in the sky. Yeah. Relative to where you're facing. But yeah, I'd put I'd make one with a wide brim. <laughs> 
full, full broom. Yeah. A bucket hat. I just have an Akubra. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, but made of aluminium. Yeah, make mine out of, yeah, and maybe an aluminium Akubra crown. Okay. Jess, any ideas what your metal Flowers. would be? Flowers. Flowers. Doesn't need to be metal. You're right. Yeah. Daisy chain. You've got to go back to the five, six years ago, flower crowns, very in for weddings in particular. Mm. Um, you would go to hen's days and make your own flower crowns. Really? Thomas, that and sounds I like say, a great activity. Bring it back. Bring it back. I miss that, I miss that little window. I miss it too. I miss it as well. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been invited to a hen's. No. You probably never will. You don't have any friends that are female. Uh, Why did you say that? Jess has been invited to a box, but she didn't turn up. That's true. Hmm. I had COVID. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, I had COVID. I didn't want to give Dave COVID a week before his wedding. I appreciate that. That was actually quite kind of me. You're a hero. You said cowardly wrong. (laughs) Okay, now you're definitely not coming to my hens. Uh, Can I come? Yep. I'm going to come COVID or not. Uh, thank you for those facts, quotes, and questions. The next thing we like to do is shout out to a few of our other great supporters. Uh, normally, just comes up with a bit of a a game based on the mm. sh- episode. Something we, we can... name their bar. Oh yeah, that's oh, fantastic. The bar they run and own. Well, if I can uh, kick us off, I'd love to thank from address unknown. Can only assume from somewhere deep within the fortress of the moles. Mm. It's Zach Ashton. Ashton's Kitchen. Ashton's Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it's Kitchener. Oh, so it's a bit. It's a bit like Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher, but it's, oh, like but it's a kitchen. Kitcher. Yeah. And kitchen. They, what about when they uh, put the meal down? They say you've been served. Yeah, so you've been punked. Yeah, that's good. Is it is it Kitch or a kitchen that you're working with there? I wanted kitchen. But I needed it to feel like Ashton Kutcher. Because a lot of people so, are going to be rocking up expecting a kitch bar, I reckon. It could be a kitch, kitch kitchen. Kitch kitchen. Oh, that's Ashton's nice. kitch kitchen. That's nah. cute. Yeah. Yeah. Kitch, yeah. Okay, there it is. Fantastic. Oh, we thank did you it. for workshopping that with me. We did me. it. I'd also love to thank from Cannon Falls in Minnesota oh. in the United States. It's Andrew Splittozer. Is that how you'd say that, Dave? That's got a Andrew bit of a splits tosa. That's beautiful. Great name. I love, love that. Andrew's There's a lot of S's and T's in that. So we uh we we had a bit of a crack at having a separate subscription thing on our to go on website, which we've just wound down and Andrew's made the leap across. Welcome. To Patreon, we appreciate that. Andrew, thanks for giving us a crack. It was in a, a beta phase for, for a while there, the website. Yeah, thanks to all our beta boys and girls. <laughs> appreciate you, beta boys, beta girls. But um, we've decided to consolidate it all just for ease onto Patreon yeah. only. So if you want to jump across or be on there, patreon.com slash pod, just like Andrew. And what is the name of Andrew's bar? Um, uh, oh, Andrew Split Toaster's Andrew Spit Roaster. Oh, oh that's all right. Good. That's nice. Yeah. It's a lot of spit roasts. Yeah. Full fun. pigs. Great. Uh, <laughs> Constantly spinning. Yeah. Full cows. Really appealing. You pick- <laughs> Full cows. <laughs> <laughs> You just go, which farm animal? we we got a yeah, spit yeah. for you. Spit duck. <laughs> spit duck. Spit goose. Spit hen. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty we'll classic. We'll Rotisserie chickens. Yeah. 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 No, spit chicks. <laughs> spit chicks. Horses. Full cow, full horses <laughs> rotating. Yeah. Whatever you want. It's very big. They're all out the back <laughs> in the farmyard until you call for it, though. <laughs> then we'll bring it in, make sure you're happy with yeah. that yeah, you particular cow. You're- well, yeah, there's a there's a circle thing in the middle that where the... 
the farm are all just sort of rotating around. Pulling out, around. people bit on them. Meet them, then eat them. All right. <laughs> Andrew, that I mean, I hope I wish you well in your business. I will not be visiting. I think they could do great business, though. Um, yeah, it's a slow process. You've <laughs> got to come in in the morning because obviously they've got to skin them and all that sort of stuff first. <laughs> thank you, Andrew. And finally, from me, I'd love to thank from Prague in Bohemia in Czechia. Used to we used to call it Czech Republic. Has that changed recently? Yes, I think it's known by both names now. Great. Uh, but it was in Prague a couple of months ago. Beautiful place, beautiful city. Loved it. I, I love Prague. Been there a bunch of times. Uh, fantastic spot. Night from Prague. I'd love to thank Balbinda Bhatia. Ooh. Oh, Balbinda Bhatia. Balbinda Bhatia. Triple B there. Yeah. What could the what, what else Shield could the B? Triple B there. <laughs> like, what could the B stand for? So uh, triple Triple B bar. Balbinda Bhatia bar. <laughs> the Balbinda Bhatia bar. But I mean, you've already you've sort of got bar in Bhatia. So to best. Beer between. Bar-tier. Okay. Feels like we're in sync here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> best, best between bar. Oh, best between bar. It's the bar you're going to when you're about to go to another bar and right. you've just come from another bar. I imagine yeah, yeah, it's, it's perfect. There's, there's not even any seats. It's a stand-up only bar. Yeah. yeah. You have a drink at the counter. It's a quick visit. On. You're yeah, passing yeah. on through the Triple B. But it puts you in a good mood. The Triple B bar in Prague. Thank you, Belbinder. Can I thank some people as well? Be fantastic if you could. I would love to thank from Philadelphia, uh, Caroline Covet. Oh, also Covert. just came over from the Duga One site. Mm. Welcome across, Caroline Covet. Uh, Caroline Covet's bar is a theme bar, <gasps> but it's a, a, much like a name. It is a covert bar. Fun. So there's a front at the front. What's the shop? The front shop at the front. <laughs> We got on a loop there. Are you kind of right? a, it's uh, it's a seamstress at the front. Seamstress oh, at the front. Oh, it's a front. Okay. But you really you. go and then you say, "Oh, I've got a hole in my pants. Yes. Perhaps I could fill it with a beer." And then they, they open know what a you mean. secret door. Yeah. And you go into Caroline's. Fill it with a beer. Are you going to piss your pants? Yes. Okay. And then you go in there. But you're tapping your nose. Exactly. That's, uh, that's code literally. For, that's code for. I don't think just does code well. Yeah, it's code for I need a whiskey. What? I could fill this with a beer. <laughs> but that doesn't make any sense. For a complicated sense. system. If you ask for a whiskey, they will ask you to leave. But you're going to fill your pants with beer. I need to. Oh, I've got a hole in my pants. I need to fill it with beer. That doesn't make any sense, And they say, so. uh, what do you want, triple malt? Dave, we're going to need a simpler code. <laughs> can I don't the code get be, it. can I have a whiskey? You can I have a whiskey? No. In I, my I, mouth. Again, you will be ejected. Okay. Well, you need to know the code. Uh, I'm just going to go to a different bar. What yeah. if someone rocks up to this bar and, uh, and they actually just want to have their pants filled with beer that's, that's awesome. gonna lead to a real awkward yeah. exchange they're like i'm in this weird little speakeasy now but i just wanted my pants with beer. <laughs> little sacks of beer sewn into them <laughs> well sorry you've come to the wrong bar slash seamstress <laughs> and i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> uh, i would also love to thank from yakima yakima what's wa washington yeah. Uh, I'd love to thank Robin Emmons. Robin Emmons. Robin Emmons from Beautiful Yakima. Name. Robin Emmons. Uh, oh, it's a it's a uh, it's a themed bar also. Um and it's like a jail because Robin I mean Robin Banks and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Jailbird. Um, Jailbird. <laughs> it's called the Jailbird. The Jailbird, yeah. Um, Great name. And it's bars- In brackets. <laughs> We've been Robin Banks. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and then there's uh, Robin Banks is thirsty work. <laughs> that's their tagline. 
And then there's bars on the windows and, uh, like, instead of being at individual tables with your friends, you're in a little cell. Yeah. Oh, on your own. With your friends. With your oh, friends. Okay. Like, there's a table inside Great. the cell. Unless you act up and then you get sent to the hole. Yeah, security is, is very strict. There is actually a toilet in the cell with you, though. Yeah. But only people who are very close with mm, their friends exactly. choose to use that particular number ones only. rest facility. Um, yeah, I'm happy with that. Nailed that one, I think. Yeah, Robin Emmons. Thank you so much. Come to the bar where you're behind bars. You have been. You. <sighs> that's that's why you went quiet, wasn't it? No, no these are just flowing out of me. No, now. they're not. Did you're I thinking, go quiet? You're thinking hard about them. I don't think I did go quiet. I think you did. Yeah, you zoned out for about twenty five minutes. <laughs> Sometimes when I, I hate I just, it when we I'm fight. letting you two talk. Oh, that's a nice change. That's isn't rare. It? That's rare. <laughs> that's what. That's what confused you. Finally, yeah, yeah, I, I got a word voice. in. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny to say I got a word in while you're also talking. Okay. Uh, the the clink your glasses together. The clink went, is also amazing. You went quiet for a bit. I think there. the clink's good, actually. The clink. And, um, the, yeah, the logo would just be two glasses clinking. Yeah, that's good. Jeez, you've got some options here, Robin. You're welcome. And finally for me, I'd love to thank from Mount Vernon in New York, Patricia M. Alexandre. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to land it, but you did beautifully. <laughs> yeah, beautiful bit of spice Never, there. Never, ever doubt me is the lesson here. Uh, um, Dave, Patricia's Bar. It's a it's a bar yep. slash bowling alley. Ooh. That's right. But a lot of fun. Much like in The Simpsons when he was the beer baron, the way you get your drinks is the bowling balls come along filled with your drink. You tip it out and then admittedly the ball is a bit wet, but then you bowl it. And if you get a strike, you get a free beer. Yeah. I love that. And the food's done the same. So, it's all liquid foods. <laughs> Ooh, soups. Soups up. Oh, did you order tomato sauce? Here it is. <laughs> it's honestly a big- the salt shakers, everything. <laughs> health violations. Yes, there's, it's disgusting in there. But it's fun. And you can bowl for free beer. That's fun. And you can bowl for soup, just like that band. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you very much to Patricia M. Alexandre. I would like to thank from- uh, Camrose in Canada, I believe. Camrose, it is Spiro Pulos. Spiro Pulos. Spiro Pulos. Great uh, name. Well, mm. obviously, this is a pool bar. Swim up bar. So it's all. Oh, yes. Yeah. All pool. Love a swim up bar. And, all uh, pool. All pool, all bar. All pool, no responsibility. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's indoor outdoor. They've got a retractable roof. On the top, so oh great! Because I know smart. Canada can have snow and stuff, but th- this is all protected from that. It's heated indoor outdoor pool oh. bar, swim up, and they specialise in uh, the Spiro cocktail, which oh, is what's in that? Yeah, uh, it's just like they spiral out the rind of an orange, <laughs> and it looks beautiful. And through that, it's just a, it's just basically vodka, right? <laughs> wow, delicious! Yeah, <laughs> straight good, really nice, a full orange, vo- full a beautiful vodka. <laughs> I'd also like to thank now from Aberdeen in Scotland, Jacob Fisher. Jacob Fisher. Now, my mind's going straight to fish. Uh I don't know why. Okay. Okay. Was that? Hmm. But maybe it's like a fish and chip shop bar. Finding Nemo themed bar. Yes. Finding Nemo themed bar. (laughs) Slash fish and chip shop. The most famous fish. No, they don't. Serve fish Oh, my there. God, Dave. Dave, no. <laughs> you said fish and chip shop. I was Not trying to like combine that. your ideas. No, I didn't mean it like that. 
Oh my this god! This is a finding Dave. Nemo bar. F- yeah, I also they don't serve fish. You can see a fish while you eat your chips. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, a vegetarian great. bar. Yeah. Come okay, on, okay, you get it. No, no, the chips are made from fish. <laughs> <laughs> the fish fingers, the yeah. fish chips. <laughs> Jacob Fisher. Yeah, Jacob Fisher. What's who's a famous Jacob? Is Jacob and the Argonauts something? Jason and the Argonauts. Okay. There's never been a Jacob before. You're the first Jacob Jacob I've never heard of the name Jacob before. Wow. Every now and then a name comes along and it just changes the game. (laughs) Jacob. Also, uh, corn on the cob is also served. Jacob. (laughs) Great nickname. Jacob. Are you ready for Jacob? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hand you a a corn. Here's Jacob. Here's Jacob. uh, Buttered. Delicious. Who ordered the buttered buttered cob? Did you do a good Scottish accent? Absolutely not. It's the, I think it's maybe the hardest one. And I'm basically Scottish. You're basically whatever you need to be. Thank you yeah. so much. Right. That means Any a moment lot. in time. That really does mean a lot to me you. You are whatever people need of you, and I, I love that about you. I don't know if you know this, but Stuart is a Scottish name. I did know that. <laughs> but Which, I'm just pretty smart. Where'd you hear that? <laughs> um, probably just around the traps. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob Fisher. Thank you. And finally, I would like to thank – we've actually got a note here uh, from Minneapolis. Our person we're shouting out is Cade Frazier, but they have given up their shout-out and have asked me instead to shout-out to Matthew Ullery. Matthew. Matthew Ullery. Pronounce like full minus the F and add eerie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else I would have said that name, to be honest. (laughs) Could have been Ullery. Yeah, mm. maybe. Yeah. Ullery. Anyway, Matthew Ullery, Ullery this Ullery. is a shout out to you from me via Cade Frazier from Minneapolis. That's nice. And what bar will we all meet up at? Um, Matthew Ullery. Hmm. Some of you, I mean, I would think something that was full Fullery. Everything it's Tom Fullery bar. Yes, it's called Tom Fullery. Tom Fullery. That's great. And every <laughs> like you get with every drink, you get a bit of hijinks. You get a mischief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get or with every drink. You get a little card and it has a dare on it and you oh, have to do the dare. Fun. Or you have to spin the wheel if you yeah. say, I won't do the dare. I won't dare, do the dare, spin the wheel. But the wheel could be something worse. Yeah. yeah. Dare. Get a no. squirt of water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll spin the wheel. Sorry. Two dares. Yeah. Damn. Damn. You've got to do Double the original dare, dare twice, yeah. you idiot. Hey, Dave, I just realised when this episode's going out, we're going to be days away from being in Scotland at uh, itself. I wow. think we might be in there. Are we there tomorrow night, the day this comes out? Bloody hell. What are the odds of that? That's amazing. We're going to be in Glasgow tomorrow night, uh, which is the 10th of November. Cannot wait to be there. Rotunda Comedy Club at Cranside Kitchen. <laughs> sounds delicious. That sounds, like, that sounds like a place we just made up. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> just a tent. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so we'll be in Glasgow and then um, sadly we've already missed the Birmingham show, but I'm sure it was fantastic. But we're going to also be in Leeds, Manchester, Bristol and London over the next week or so. Come on down. They all sound, they're all funny sounding names. Mm, exciting. Uh, and the last thing we like to do, I should just say uh, thank you very much to... Matthew, Cade, Jacob, Spiro, Patricia, Robin, Caroline, Balbinda, Andrew, and Zach. And the last thing we like to do is welcome in a few people into the Triptych Club. And it's a very exclusive club. To be inducted in, you've got to be signed up on our shout-out level or above for three straight years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, once you're in, you're in for life, whether you like it or not. Mm. 
Bop, is there what else do I need to explain about this? Um, it, uh, that uh, Dave books a band, Matt lets you in, but I'm behind the bar. That's right. And today I'm not cleaning any of these glasses. <laughs> we're turning that running water off. They are filthy, baby. And we're also, yeah, we're going for a bit of a prohibition theme and at certain times I'm just going to suddenly turn all the lights on and make you panic a little bit. Uh, we're going to be serving moonshine. <laughs> Your bar used to be like something that people would really look forward to coming in. Now it sounds horrendous. Well, uh, yeah, because this time I'm trying to get people to have a little empathy. Right. Have a little understanding. I think, I think in a recent week you served poison. What were you trying to make them feel then? Pain. <laughs> I'm just trying to feel something. Learn from the pain. That's all. Sorry for trying to learn something. No, I think Okay, yeah, nice. I've got really fun like Mardi Gras themed Cocktails and stuff. No, is that what you want? No, no. no it's I your love bar. No, no, that's fun. It's over. It's really fun and colourful. And we won't tell you how to run your bar, mate. We're having a great time, and all the clean. The glasses are all sterilised. I was. I was just observing. I didn't mean to. I wasn't casting yeah, any maybe judgment. Maybe you could have said, "Jesse, you okay?" Not. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, you idiot? Which was the tone that you oh, took well, with me. That was accidental tone. I'm still figuring out how to use my one and a half tones. <laughs> I don't have a lot of tone to go around, so. <laughs> Uh, and Dave, you've booked a band for the after party. I've, you're never going to believe this. I've booked the village people. Oh my god! But in god. honour of this report, we will not be letting the cop in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Put on a different costume. Said, we'll make him dress as a firefighter. Yeah. So firefighters. Got two firefighters. <laughs> I don't think there's even one. Nah, surely there is. No, isn't there? Nah, I don't think so. You got Leatherman. You've got. Uh, you got the. Uh, is there often a cowboy? An army man, cowboy. Native American Police. man. Yeah, man the Native, Native American, American man. man. Yeah. And a builder for some reason. Oh, <laughs> oh that's right. Yeah. There, oh, there, I was going to say, there is a cop, but that wasn't what we were discussing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's out. And you know who's in? Yeah, there's, a, there's in. a construction guy or something. Like, yeah. Oh. Uh, so, hang around for the after party, all Triptych Club members. Um, I'm going to induct four members in this week. Got my clipboard ready. If I read out your name, feel free to run to the front of the crowd. I'll lift up the velvet rope. You come in. Dave's on the stage hyping everyone up. He's Uh been in there already. Getting them ravid, ravid, ravaged. Rabid. (laughs) Rabid. Like rabid dogs. (laughs) And Jess is standing with him uh, Mm -hmm. to support Dave because he just doesn't really believe in himself even though he probably should. But I just whisper affirmations and I pat him on the bum. Thank you. So, this week, I'd love to induct into the Triptych Club, firstly, from Cardiff in Wales, it's Theron Smith Jr. You're from Wales, and we're going to have a whale of a time, yeah. Theron. Boop, boop. That's a from whale. London in England, it's Jess T. Oh, Jess T is my best T. Yes. From Milani in Hawaii, I believe, it's Guava Lava. Oh, Guava Lava, and I'm Fulani. Good. I've been feeling good. Milani, Fulani. <laughs> Jabani, Guava Lava. He needs it just quick. <laughs> Tell him he's okay. It looks like it's Mililani, but that's fine. Fililani, Mililani good. Mililani, with Guava Lava. Yes. And finally from Kerry in Illinois, it's Adam Krapazinski. More like Crapper Legend. <laughs> I had no idea how Matt was going to pronounce it. Yeah, Adam Trapazinski. 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 Adam Trapzinski. He's put himself on the map, Zinski. Welcome into the club. Make yourselves at home. Adam, Guava, Jess, and Theron. And uh, yeah, 
hang around, grab yourself an unsanitary drink and enjoy. No, no, no. They're all bright enjoy, colors and really Enjoy the village fun. people. Yeah. Oh, man. Village people are so fun. Well, that brings us yeah, to the end of that Yeah, we're just leaning in I, to I saw, stereotypes. I made them all rainbow. Come on, Matt. I saw them- uh, Live a few years ago. Awesome. Was it awesome? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Not a lot of the original members. Maybe one. <laughs> None. Is it- I think maybe one. Maybe, but yeah, that was still great. Um, they played at uh, Golden Plains Festival. Oh, that's so cool. It was a party. Uh, yes, well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Anything we need to tell people, Papa? Um, that they can suggest a topic. There's a link in the show notes or you can go to dogoonpod.com where you can find um, information on live shows, merch, um, all the different podcasts we do across the Dugo On network. And you can find us on social media also at dogoonpod. Dave, boot us home. Hey, we'll be back next week with the third most voted on topic for Block. We have hit the podium. But until then, I'll say thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Later. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.